realize what we've found. It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. If they can get you asking the wrong questions, they don't have to worry about answers. Thomas Pynchon In our time, the search for extraterrestrial life will eventually change our laws, our religions, our philosophies, our art, our recreations, as well as our sciences. Space, the mirror, waits for life to come look for itself there. Ray Bradbury Man has gone out to explore other worlds and other civilizations without having explored his own labyrinth of dark passages and secret chambers, and without finding what lies behind doorways that he himself has sealed. Stanislaw Lem. Welcome back to the podcast from outer space, everyone. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got Billy, a.k.a. the Korean Cowboy, in the studio. Yeehaw, bitches. (laughs) And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Happy holidays, and how we doing? And today we will be on episode 111 covering Bob Lazar, the alien pimp. But before we get into Bob, I wanted to just let our listeners and loyal legion know that uh, I found that the spiritual number 111 is a sign of new opportunities or a start of a new beginning, and I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, just to round out the year, we got a new beginning. It's the beginning of the end of the year, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I think this will drop before New Year's. End of the year onto a new beginning. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Yes. I don't see why not. I totally (laughs) dropped before the new year. Yes. Now, as Rob said, Bob Lazar, alien pimp. For those not in the know, uh, Bob Lazar is an American conspiracy theorist, we'll say, uh, scientist, possible whistleblower and self-proclaimed in quotes quotes, physicist who says that he was hired in the late 80s to reverse engineer extraterrestrial technology at a secret government facility called s4 basically a satellite installation located several miles south of the infamous area 51 now we did a whole deep dive on that uh in our area 51 episode Coincidentally, number 51. Yeah, so check that out for a deep dive into that base. Now, Bob's claims essentially brought Area 51 into the spotlight, fueled numerous conspiracy theories surrounding its classified activities and relation to UFOs extraterrestrials. Um, Bob has since become an icon for some ufologists or a blight on the field for others as the community as a whole seems to be divided on the legitimacy of Bob's story. Um, You know, we see this time and time again with many figures in the UFO field. There's there's a lot of baggage to this man, uh, including claims that he lied about his education, evidence of his role in a prostitution ring, and numerous lawsuits for illegally selling chemicals. Uh, Or there is a possibility that he's telling the truth, And the government has done everything in its power short of killing this man to erase his identity and discredit every ounce of his character. Or perhaps Bob himself is a government disinfo agent used to spread misinformation and muddy the waters of the conspiracy landscape. 
any way you slice it, there is a lot to get to with this one. So in this episode, we are going to dive into a brief overview of the man himself, get into his side of the story, the official narrative, see if there's any truth to Bob's claims, and of course, get into several theories surrounding this brilliant scientist or bullshit peddling grifter. Jesus uh, now, now yeah. as as always, right up top, what did you guys know about Bob? Um, let's start there. And and do you believe him right up top? What do we got, Rob? Um, basically, before we decided to jump into this topic, um, probably like the first, I don't remember like what first introduced me to him, but I'm assuming probably when we were researching Area 51 is probably about the time where I looked into him, and then, of course, when the documentary came out, I watched that, and I listened to him on Rogan. So okay, I know so, a little bit about the guy, but first, my first like contact or like hearing of him was probably just in doing Area 51 research. Okay, gotcha. Just because I feel like if you're into that like UFO community, you probably can like put two and two together and him and Area 51 are kind of synonymous, you could say, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, do you believe his claims? Um, I mean, at first, I like the first, like right off the bat, first like looking into it, I was like pretty skeptical of it. But having done research for this episode and like fully watching the documentary and listening to his him tell his story to Rogan, I feel like cleared up some of my skepticism i guess okay so you're on board not fully but i don't think that he's completely full of shit okay all right billy what do we got man i don't know bob lazar is just it, I, I got into hit like learning about him through i think it was a rogan podcast and then there also was that documentary from jeremy corbell whom i mean we, we've talked about how we feel about him but anyways <laughs> Uh, I don't, he, it's, it's strange. And I know we'll get into a lot of, you know, kind of the, the weird, like obvious quote unquote, like signs he's full of shit, but he did kind of, um, in a way foresee a lot of things or say things back, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties, when he was talking about the stuff that ended up coming somewhat to fruition, so that part of him is is really intriguing to me. I'd like to believe him. I've definitely been in mindsets where I did, but I'd like to explore more of you know the devil devil's advocate side and kind of explore how he's more so maybe full of shit. Okay, yeah. Now for me, uh, I'm gonna say no, I don't believe him. But uh, in my research for this, this was a bit of a flip flop episode. You know, tons of rabbit holes with this one. Um, but I think I've all, I have always been more in the camp that Bob is a grifter. Um, but you know, as, as Billy said, there are some interesting tidbits, uh, which is probably why Bob has remained a topic of discussion in the UFO discourse after all these years. Um, so let's, let's dive into it. Uh, a little bit of background on the man. Uh, so Robert Scott Lazar. Uh, born January 26, 1959 in Florida. Now, how, how's that for a synchronicity? Robert Scott, there's got this is, is this some connection? Are you named after Bob Lazar, do you think? Yeah, dad named me after him. <laughs> okay. 
I'm well, sure he's he a huge believer. He didn't really uh, come into the spotlight until 89, so I don't think that. Oh, true. Actually so you couldn't up. have been named after yeah. him. Okay, okay, I gotcha. Just a coincidence. Okay, yeah, coincidence. Our very own Rob Scott possibly uh, came into the world the same time that Bob, Bob Lazar was apparently uh, working at S4. Okay. Um, now, now during Bob's youth in Long Island, New York, uh, he developed a lifelong love of fireworks as he spent his summers hanging around several local families who made professional fireworks. Uh, so, you Long know, Island. yeah. So, you know, making them, setting them off, just being able to harness this kind of power. Yeah. Uh, Bob says this hooked him from a very young age. It's like a Bronx tale, but they're making fireworks like down in the basement. Yeah. Uh, you know. A nerd, nerd, nerd Bronx tale, right? We need a screenplay for this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, now, now Lazar graduated from high school in the bottom third of his class of around uh, 300 classmates, um, with chemistry being the only science course he took. Now, this will come into play later. Uh, he then attended Pierce Junior College in Los Angeles, which is uh, a community college in the, in the Woodland Hills area. Now, in 1982, Lazar worked as a technician for a contractor that provided support staff to the Los Alamos Mason Physics Center. Uh, this is essentially an area within the Los Alamos National Laboratory in New Mexico, uh, which is best known for its central role in helping to develop the first atomic bomb back in the 40s. And Lanol, as it's known, is one of the world's largest and most advanced scientific institutions. Now, we got into that. Uh, we get into Lanel quite a bit on our Manhattan Project episode. Episode number 58, if you want to check that out. Now, Bob also ran a photo processing business with his first wife back in the late 80s and currently runs a chemical company, United Nuclear, specializing in the uh, procurement, handling, and sales of various chemicals. Now, in 1990, Bob was convicted of being involved in a prostitution ring and was sentenced to six months of suspended probation and 150 hours of community service. And he was also arrested in 2006, charged with shipping restricted chemicals across state lines. Now, wild, wild card. Yeah. Now, now, as, I mean, yes, this guy's a bit of a uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you what would you call him? Like a bit of a troublemaker, right? You know, it doesn't seem like it. Though. He's taken pointers from Alistair Crowley. Man. <laughs> yeah, he no. might be a themo- uh, thelemite. <laughs> now, of Bob's past, um, these are essentially like verifiable facts. All of these can be proven and and, and by obtainable public records uh, or corroborated by numerous parties involved. Um, so, you know, that's a pretty broad stroke of, of his upbringing. But, you know, those are the facts. <laughs> Now, what what do we got? Why are you snickering? I just never uh, came across the prostitution thing in my research. Oh yeah, dude. Interesting. Uh, This guy was a fucking alien pimp, dude. He, I mean, he was a pimp to these (laughs) prostitutes. They were running this like I'm sure I have something in here on it later, but they were running like a brothel out of these two apartments that were interconnected. And Bob set up all the this wiring video camera and the online. so he was just running the logistics for him. He was the pimp, dude. He was the fucking Mac Daddy of the operation. Well, his wife was uh, cheating on him back in the 80s, remember? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, like, fuck it. Got to get out of here. Now, so his story, 
Um, Got now, fired from Area 51. My wife's cheating on me. And that was his second wife cheating, correct? With the flight instructor? I believe it was his first. No, I think it was his second. He's married to the lady in the fucking documentary. No, that's, that, his, third? that's his third wife. Yeah. Oh. He's been married three times. This is also proven by public record. Huh. Um, all right. Well, let's get into his story, his claims, uh, because since 1989... Lazar has achieved public notoriety as an Area 51 conspiracy theorist, or if you believe him, he's a government whistleblower. No different than Edward Snowden. You okay there, dog? A little bit different. Well, you know, I mean, in terms of whistleblower, he he is like Edward Snowden. He came out about what the government was doing. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, and honestly... Am I wrong? The whole... What? What? I mean, I think the <laughs> Edward Snowden case was like a little bit more in depth. Okay. Well, but still, he was a whistleblower. True. So if we believe Bob Lazar, he is also a whistleblower. No, I'm saying like Edward Snowden came out about some crazy government cover up. NSA. You know, at the time. And like, you know, one could argue that Bob Lazar was doing the same thing. Right. That's that's kind of what I was getting at with that comparison. Um so in May of 89, <clears throat> he appears in an interview with investigative reporter George Knapp on Las Vegas TV station KLAS under the pseudonym Dennis with his face hidden. Um, you know, this is the classic. I got the picture right there. This is a classic like shadow silhouette sitting in front of a window. And yes, this was this. That was the same George Knapp who broke the Skinwalker Ranch story. Now, two things to mention here with this uh, original interview. One, I can't find this original interview in its entirety anywhere. It's always like a tiny clip in later interviews or documentaries. Um, but the original interview in its entirety, I could not find anywhere. So send that over if you guys can find it. And two, in the clips of that interview, his voice isn't even slightly disguised. Yeah, I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah, like, you know how normally these interviews, the guys are talking like, they're talking yeah. like this. And I'll do a, a deep... Uh, well, I think they just dub over the voices, obviously. That's what I'm saying. But in this one, it's just Bob's normal voice. Maybe you can hit up your boy, uh, Corbell, for the <clears throat> video. Well, yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm, I assume <laughs> George Knapp it? has it or something because, but I cannot find the. Maybe he. I owns thought that it. was weird. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't find the original anywhere. Well, actually, on that note, um, I it was in a documentary or an interview I watched with George Knapp talking about Lazar, and he was saying that in that interview it was actually filmed in like the passenger seat of like a truck, like a TV crew truck or something. Yeah, it's in the news and. Van. Yeah, and so like George Knapp had set that up because originally he wanted Lazar's identity to be like out there in the public domain, like right off the bat. But then Lazar was hesitant, and they thought like maybe pushing it off about eight months to then reveal his identity it was about eight or nine months after that interview is when they actually came out. Yeah, but and when he told people that it was him, when he steps out of the truck, the light hits him, and you can like clearly see. Oh, you're talking you... about the clip. Yeah, yeah, see, that's why I wanted to find the original news broadcast to see like how. I mean, I couldn't find it anywhere. Like, I saw what you were talking about, Billy. Like the clip in other stuff where it's just maybe one or two sentences he says. But I wanted to listen to the whole interview. I couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't know that you couldn't find that. That's crazy. Yeah. Now, now in this interview, um, he discussed his employment at S4, a satellite facility he claimed exists near the infamous Area 51. Um, now, he claims that S4 is adjacent to Papoose Lake, uh, which is south of the main Area 51 facility. Now, he also claimed that the site consisted of a concealed aircraft of concealed aircraft hangars built right into the side of a mountain. So this is like right out of a fucking James Bond movie. Um, well, now, 51. <laughs> now, Lazar said that while he was there, which was infrequently, like he didn't have a nine to five schedule. It was just basically he was on call. He said his job was to help with the reverse engineering of one of nine flying saucers held at the base, which he alleged were extraterrestrial in origin. Now, he claims one of the flying saucers, the one that he dubbed the sport model, uh, which is what he worked on, was manufactured out of a metallic substance similar in appearance and touch to titanium or stainless steel. Uh, And basically, what he was a part of was Project Galileo. And this was tasked with A, understanding the tech and B, duplicating it. Now, this original interview apparently spread like wildfire. This was picked up by numerous international news circuits, uh, which kind of sets this whole thing in motion. And according to George Knapp, was the most watched news story on KLAS at the time. That's what happens when you stick to the dentist system. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah the <laughs> demonstrating his value the guy, yeah the classic um now now as you were saying billy fast forward to november of 89 in a follow-up interview the same year lazar appears unmasked and under his own name where he claimed that his job interview for work at the facility took place with contractor eg and g and his employer was the united states navy now in later interviews Um, Lazar said that the seats of the saucer he saw were approximately child size and that he had seen cadavers of a comparable size to the seats. So he he says he had seen an alien cadaver comparable in size to the seats. Now, he said that he while walking down a hallway at S4, he briefly glanced through a door window and saw what he interpreted as two men in lab coats facing down talking to, quote, Something small with long arms. Now, three decades later in Corbell's documentary, he said that he did not think that he saw an alien, but speculated he saw a doll used as reference for the size of these alleged aliens and that the nickname they used for them at the facility was the kids. Creepy. (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah that, that that's a little weird yeah it, it is um that's a that's a bit weird um but okay let's let's press on now now going back to these early interviews so 2003 i found this sci-fi channel interview and this was when it was actually sci-fi spelled out not s-y-f-y you remember the classic sci-fi channel oh i do yes okay so i find an interview that he did with sci-fi now, he says in this interview that he was hired to replace one of the scientists that had died in an explosion after cutting into an active core from the craft. Now, upon cutting into the core, it caused a blast the size of a small nuke and was passed off as an unannounced nuclear test. Now, I do some Internet sleuthing 
And I look up nuclear tests at the Nevada test site in 88 to 89. There were 11 tests in total. So this portion could add up with his story. Um, But my question here, A, secret government lab, why the fuck would they just cut into an active core with a plasma gun? (laughs) And, (laughs) And also, did the Nevada test site is like miles away from Area 51 and Papoose Lake. So... Did, did they just have the foresight to do it at the Nevada test site or did they blow up the fucking original mountain lab and they had to build a full new lab? What what are we thinking here? Does this add up or does this get any uh, wheels turning for you guys? Well, I, I did hear in uh, the interview with Rogan, um, Lazar was talking about the guy that, you know, was before him that ended up cutting into the core and blowing himself up and dying and stuff. <laughs> and he said that he, the guy was actually like tasked or they were tasked to try to like basically dissect it to see like how the inner workings worked. And unfortunately, the guy was, you know, the the one to allegedly have, you know, I mean, anyone probably could have guessed that doing that would have just probably been a terrible idea. But <laughs> well, yeah, um. that's, what that's what I'm saying. We got this secret. This is like the scene in Joe Dirt when they find the bomb and they're like, let's shoot fireballs at it. Like, like, <laughs> like these guys find an alien craft oh. with a core. They have no idea what it is. And they're like, hey, grab the plasma cutter, Frank. Let's fucking cut this son of a bitch open. You know, <laughs> that's not very exactly. scientific. Well, he always uses, because I, I noticed that he used it in the documentary as well as the Rogan interview. He always uses that like um, comparison of if you put like put a, a atomic bomb back in the Victorian yeah, era, yeah, then people wouldn't understand what it is, and as they took it apart, the fallout would cause people to die and they wouldn't know yeah and they would don't wouldn't fully understand it so he's saying that's basically what this alien craft is something that our technology is like light years behind on and we have no fucking idea like how to replicate it and i i mean correct me if i'm wrong but in the rogan interview he basically said it as they're trying to figure out how this stuff works to back engineer it so that our government can use this technology. But he was saying basically the guys that were working on it before him and his partner were working on it basically got to a point where they're like, well, fuck it. Let's try and cut this thing open and see how it works. And then that's when the accident happened. Okay. And that's, that's my issue. I'm not, I have, I get that it's alien tech and it's light years above us. But what I'm saying is a, top secret government lab hiring scientists from MIT and what have you. I don't think that those scientists would be like, guys, we don't understand this. Let's fucking cut into it with a plasma gun. Well, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I don't. Okay. I'm not saying I'm not trying to like spoil anything further down the line in this podcast. But if you're in the camp that thinks Bob Lazar is full of shit, Maybe they're not hiring like the smartest scientists here. Okay, yes, that is one of the theories of and like, also Bob if, himself. But imagine I, I'm just saying, like, I'm just trying to play devil's uh Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm just trying to play devil's <laughs> advocate here. But okay. I'm, I'm what I'm saying is like if 
if you're basically under government surveillance 24 seven, when you're at this place and they're like, Hey, figure out what the fuck this is and then recreate it for us. And you can't even get step one down. I feel like after a certain amount of time, you might just get so frustrated and be like, <laughs> we're cutting into this fuck it, dude. Thing. I don't like I can't even I touch this thing. Okay. I get that. Well, but- Cause you, you remember he said like, unless you basically deconstruct it, you couldn't put your hand on it. Well, yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I am not buying that these scientists would just get to that level. I think they would Well, be... you got to dissect something to see how it works, right? <laughs> well, also, okay, frog. okay. It's a nuclear <laughs> reactor. <laughs> no, I, I mean, what, what Rob's saying is, it, like, I think there's, there's definitely something interesting to his point. Because if you think about even, like, okay, so at the Los Alamos lab... You said earlier that, you know, that was a main facility that, you know, basically was the Manhattan Project to develop nuclear weapons in World War II. So I'm sure that testing those weapons back in 1943, 44, whatever it was, like, I'm sure there are deaths that occurred there. Oh, I'm sure, absolutely. Like, you know, there, there were scientists and, you know, people tasked to just, you know, hey, you're going to have to walk into this super ra- ra- like radioactive area and just... Well, you know that I mean? well, that actually reminds me. Now that you say that, that is remember on our Manhattan Project episode, we discussed the guy Sloten who was holding the nuclear reactor up with a screwdriver, and it slipped, and he had yeah. to, he grabbed it to like sacrifice himself. So right. I mean, if, that, if they were working on the Manhattan Project, holding up nuclear reactors with sc- flat-headed screwdrivers. Maybe this cutting into it well, isn't out of the realm of possibility. Exactly. Also, they, I mean, yeah. Am I wrong though? In that interview with Rogan, he never said that it was an active core. It it I mean, basically seemed to me like he was trying to figure out how the flying saucer itself was like being propelled through the air. Okay, yeah. And so if and we'll get into that. Well, I'm thinking of it in my head as like if you get into this thing and there's no like he was saying there's no screens there's no, no wires there's nothing, there's nothing like in. where you could like pop the hood on a car and see the engine so there's like no way to figure out how the fuck you would even know what is running this thing so i mean obviously i don't think <laughs> let's just cut this thing in half with a fucking plasma cutter is the best idea because if you're doing that then how are you going to put it back together, basically, if you don't even know how it works okay. in the first place, which is kind of a dumb idea. But also, it's like when you've exhausted all your options, like, fuck it, let's just cut into it and get. we'll figure it out later. But then where my mind goes after that is if if you tried to cut into this thing that you're working on and it causes a fucking miniature nuclear blast, maybe you'd like just kind of table that one after that not be like uh you know what bring in these new guys we'll have them check it out (laughs) but also that okay that's my that actually brings up a whole slew of new questions because my first question still stands did they blow up the lab or did they have the foresight to like do this out in the desert of like hey we're cutting this thing with like safety goggles they stood back like 10 feet and then it just fucking nuke blew up and was this a core from another ship? Because if this fucking blew up, they wouldn't have the core for Bob to work on. Well, that's what I'm saying is maybe it, in my head, I was thinking maybe, okay, so when you, when 
you get it up and running, it has basically a force field around it is how he was describing it. So if you try and cut into this motherfucker with a plasma gun and it causes essentially a nuclear reaction, then it's probably like a defense mechanism on it. It's not like... So it's like a it's, porcupine. It's not actually like the ship itself. It's like that you were trying to like penetrate it. So it like caused a reaction. Can't penetrate. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking like, okay, maybe, maybe that's just how it works. I don't know. These are not again a, questions. Again, for I'm Bob. not a physicist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. None of us are physicists. Okay, so. But that's just where right. where I was thinking. We got a from. couple questions there, but we'll breeze past that. Now, in this interview, he also claims that he was given a bunch of briefing files to kind of go over, bring him up to speed. And in these files, he saw an alien autopsy photo of a typical gray, three and a half to four feet tall. Um, we get into them in numerous detail on episode 73. So check that out for more, more details on the grays. Um, now, he also says that he had no direct contact with extraterrestrials while he was with Project Galileo. And he says that while he was there, there was 22 people total working at S4, and they all had MAJ or Majestic clearance. Now, again, more on this later. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, and this was 38 levels above Q clearance, which is top secret for civilians. Now, the craft, so he describes the craft in these interviews. Now, he claimed that the propulsion of the studied vehicle ran on an antimatter reactor and was fueled by a chemical element with atomic number 115. Now, this has since become known as element 115, and this is a big part of the story. Um, now, at the time, element 115 was provisionally named Ununpentium and had not yet been synthesized by science. I, uh, For example, it hadn't been created in a lab. Um, now, he said that the propulsion system relied on a stable isotope of element 115, which allegedly generates a gravity wave that allowed the vehicle to fly and evade visual detection by bending light around it. Now, at the time of this interview, 2003, he said in terms of synthesizing elements, we were around element 112, uh, which was synthesized in 1996. Um, now, well, this, this is, let me just explain a little 101. Uh, let's go back to high school chemistry, a little one-on-one -on, -one on the periodic table of elements. Because are you guys familiar? Did you guys ace chemistry? Thanks to the guy sitting in front of me. Hell yes, I no, I got like a... Yeah, I did. That get was like the only class I got a bad grade <laughs> I, in. I hated chemistry, but I was looking up a little bit of uh, on the periodic table. So basically, the higher number on the periodic table, the heavier and more unstable the element is. Now there is this, I guess, I don't know what you call it. It's, it's just a thing in in physics or chemistry. It's called the island of stability, which is basically like a sweet spot or a combination of protons and neutrons. Uh, which makes that particular element stable. Now, element 115 was first synthesized in 2003 and later named muscovium. 
However, no stable isotopes of muscovium have ever been synthesized. All have proven extremely radioactive and decay after a few hundred milliseconds. So they make these, the way that they synthesize these elements and study them is in those giant, like, I guess it's similar to like the Hadron Collider where they're basically like shooting fucking particles at each other to make this stuff. Um, But essentially that's a little background on uh, periodic table 101. Now, did you have something? Uh, you basically just covered it right there. I was just saying, didn't he say when they were trying to synthesize it that it was basically just too radioactive to do it? And yeah, it's unstable, and there's there's never covered it right there. yeah there's never been a uh, stable isotope has ever been synthesized. But that's not to say that that couldn't happen in the future. Um, just need some more of that alien tech. Yes. Now Lazar said the craft was dismantled. And the reactor he studied was topped by a sphere or a semi-sphere, which emitted a force field capable of repulsing human flesh, similar to holding two opposing ends of a magnet to each other. Um, Now, he explained that the craft was split into two main levels. The reactor was positioned at the center of the upper level with an antenna extending to the top. And the bottom segment contained three gravity amplifiers, uh, which... Were, would, I guess, communicate with gravity emitters on the bottom that could rotate 180 degrees to output a gravity beam or anti-gravity wave. And the craft would then travel belly first into it, this distortion field. Now, I believe we um, gave this example on our Area 51 episode, but think of like putting a bowling ball on a trampoline and then there's a marble around it. Now, the marble is the craft. The bowling ball is the, like, gravity uh, bending. If you move the bowling ball, the marble is going to follow it in the divot. That's kind of how this craft operates, but in the sense of, like, bending space-time. Does that make sense? Can you kind of visualize that? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Um, Now, he also claims that in the briefing documents with the alien autopsy photos that they had also... They also stated that the crafts originated from a planet orbiting the twin binary star system Zeta Reticuli. Now, also, more on this later. Now, his story in this interview is that he brought some buddies out to show them the disk the disk test flights and was caught by security. The next day, he's debriefed, and they just fucking grill him about security at the base. They get in his face. They put a gun to his head. And he also said that Dennis, the pseudonym from the original interview, was his supervisor. Now, so this means that he might have to be the stupidest son of a bitch alive, right? He goes public, not changing his voice, and using his supervisor's name. Hmm. I think they might figure that out, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) maybe he was trying to get his supervisor in trouble and not himself all right well basically like his whole stance here is be is kind of like fuck the government for hiding this info there's off-world craft which means there's aliens which means there's civilizations intelligent beings out there and the government is is hiding what could be the greatest discovery in the history of mankind and that's kind of bob's whole stance from here on out that's why he came forward uh, now, now, what are we thinking here, and do we want to unpack his story at this point? I, I don't. 
it, it's tough, right? I mean, it's one of those, it's a situation where, you know, we'll kind of unpack more. Element 115 was the icing, you know, kind of like the icing on the cake, I guess, or a little piece of the puzzle um, about some of the things that he said that ended up kind of becoming true. And, you know, that in regards to the, the crafts that we're seeing in this day and age that ATIP have followed that uh, the Navy and the Pentagon actually came out about, which I'm sure we'll dive a lot deeper into that later in the episode to connect the dots. But I mean, I don't know if he really was at a point where he said, because he basically says, I didn't give a shit. I came out um, with this information because I felt like the public deserved to know what the government was hiding. And at that point, I don't really care about what happens to me necessarily. Um, so that makes sense to me because I feel like someone could easily get in that headspace about it. But my only criticism or skepticism, I guess, to reiterate, is the fact that why aren't why weren't there more people coming out, right? Like, and maybe it's because it was such a classified thing, but you know, you see you see Bob Lazar saying all this crazy stuff. And you can't really corroborate it with many other accounts of people working at these facilities. I'm sure that we'll dive a little bit into that in the later episode. But that, to me, is a bit sketchy. Because it's like, why are you the only dude that just couldn't handle it? And just <laughs> okay. was like, I'm like Superman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I you're, so your major red flag is that there's not other guys saying, hey, Bob came out, let me go back up my boy. Right. Maybe Bob was the only pure-hearted guy. Maybe these other guys are just mad scientists, evil government uh, cabal that are just like, this guy's a fucking pussy. Fuck this guy, you know? Right. I, I mean, I don't know. Or maybe they're just like, oh, it's classified and I don't want my life to be destroyed, so... I don't. I mean, yeah, aliens exist, but who cares? Like, I'm just gonna keep quiet about it. I'm sure there are people out there that are like that. But Rob, I know you have thoughts on this. What What are your thoughts? Well, when I was watching the documentary, it seemed that, like, more so than alien life being discovered, it seemed like he was fed up with the way that they were breaking down everything so compartmentalized with how. They were having people like, oh, you're working on like this part of the ship. You're working on this. Instead see, of having this, that's government 101, Bob. Come on. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying like <laughs> if you have a whole team of people that are like cohesively trying to work on the same like end goal and duplicate whatever it is that this alien craft is, then that makes a lot of sense. Like obviously, yeah, you don't want that information getting out there but it's like if you only have one or two guys working on one thing at a time it's it's just kind of like shooting yourself in the foot you know mm-hmm. so i think so he would was, there be a ton more people working on projects like this like if, if the government was doing this in 1980 whatever 88 89. 87 89 well, well throughout the 80s right? as, assumedly well yeah. that's the, also this is just one base i'm sure there's you know hundreds of them throughout the country and in other countries where they're working on similar projects but i'm saying it seemed like he was more like the reason that he was going public with this information was he was he basically felt like he was like there was so much pressure on him and his partner that he worked with to get this 
job done, but it's like he couldn't handle he, the pressure. Well, he felt like it would be better to have more people working on the whole thing than okay, you two work on this, you two work on this, and then cracked like, under pressure. <laughs> There's a chain of command. You stick to your job, and you be a good well, soldier. There's a lot going on with right? this guy's life, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, but he did mention, and then we can move on because I know that we need to move, move get off this. Well, no, but, but I'm just saying it, it seemed like the science aspect was like his main concern, not the alien aspect, in my opinion. But Yeah, and he talked about the scientific method, how, you know, with the way that they worked, they were all in, you know, groups of two working on, you're only allowed to work on this one craft, you can't work on it, you can't even see the others. You, only <laughs> you can't even about ask one time questions, where you saw. yeah. Guess can't Bob wasn't such a good soldier. Yeah, but... but <laughs> But he did make a good point where, like, you know, if you're in these teams that are super siloed and, like, the information is not shared between parties working on the same end goal, then it's like, how do you make progress if you can't collaborate scientifically? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. All right. Now, let's press on from that. So that's essentially his story, his mindset. That's where Bob's at. Now, where is he now, you might ask? Now, as we said up top, after these initial set of interviews, Bob became this whole whistleblower figure within the UFO community. Um, but, you know, he's reluctant to do interviews. Um, he does do a fair amount of interviews from 89 to like the early 2000s before kind of fading into obscurity. And now Bob owns and operates United Nuclear Scientific Equipment and Supplies, which sells a variety of science materials and chemicals. Now, Lazar was later the subject of George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell's 2018 documentary, Bob Lazar, colon, Area 51 and Flying Saucers, and has since found himself back in the public eye. Now, in 2019, he wrote an autobiography titled Dreamland, published by Interstellar and distributed by Simon & Schuster, Schuster Publishing, uh, with a list price of $23.99. Uh, and he has appeared on a number of podcasts, most notably the Joe Rogan Experience, episode 1315. Um, so that's kind of what Bob's doing now. Now, let's get into some of the skepticism. Because obvious, obviously, uh, you know, his original story comes out back in 89. People want answers. Uh, reporters, journalists, ufologists, online sleuths, they start digging into Bob's claims. Now, Lazar claims to have obtained a degree in physics from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, and a degree in electronics from California Institute of Technology, Caltech. Um, however, both universities show no record of him. Uh, now, on the radio show, The Billy Goodman Happening on December 20th, 1989, uh, Bob gives more details about the timeline and nature of his role at Los Alamos. And he says, quote, I have two master's degrees, uh, one in physics, one in electronics. I wrote my thesis on MHD, which is magnetohydrodynamics. I worked at uh, Los Alamos for a few years as a technician and then as a physicist in the polarized proton section dealing with the uh, accelerator there. Okay, so so he does he claimed that he has a masters. 
two masters, one in physics, one in electronics. Now, UFO researcher Stanton T. Friedman, one of our main boys, uh, who <laughs> who is, in fact, a nuclear physicist. This guy was a brilliant ufologist. Uh, and Donald R. Prothero, who is a geologist and um, paleontologist. Um, they Just do like some, Indiana Jones. Yeah, exactly, dude. Uh, now, they did some digging on Bob and have stated that nobody with Lazar's high school performance record, bottom third of his class, would be accepted by MIT or Caltech. Uh, they only accept the top 10%. Now, well, obviously... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Obviously gentlemen this is because his employment and educational records have been erased by the government in order to discredit him right yeah uh however skeptics find this to be implausible not only would they have to erase his transcripts but if he did in fact get a master's they need to scrub his thesis at each institution, his diploma, not to mention every yearbook that was distributed, as well as threaten everyone that was a classmate or a professor to keep their mouth shut. Seems extremely unlikely. I mean, someone would surely remember Bob as a classmate or student. Am I right? What are we, what are we thinking here? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it quick, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If the government was going to try to do something like that, it wouldn't be a problem for them to do that. The, but the one thing is the yearbook. <laughs> the yearbook and everyone All the knew? yearbooks for everyone that, and you know, like, if well, he's not in there. I never had a yearbook really in that college. Length? I had a yearbook in college. Yeah, but you went to a private, like, military That's institute. a public, that's a state institute. I never, Rob, if I never once school, had a yearbook. Would be in the yearbook. Okay, but you know, you know, professors. Can you name me a professor you had in college? Yes, but I never had to fucking go to like, hey, we were taking yearbook photos today in college. The last time I did that was my senior year <laughs> of high <laughs> school. Right. I get that, but surely I could call up Pistol Pete and say, hey, did you go to college with Rob Scott? And he'd be like, yeah, I know the guy very well. He could tell me stories of uh, smoking doobies and shit out out back. You know. I think this is a minuscule thing in the grand scheme of things though i disagree okay but i'm saying like let's hypothetically say they scrubbed his record just his record just his record and his master's and diploma okay i'm saying like scrub his record of him going to the school and his diploma and his thesis got it that's not that hard to do (laughs) it's not (laughs) for the government okay all right all right we're saying this is the government omnipresent government like I don't think there's going to be that many people like when you hear about all the shit that this guy's gone through that are going to come up and be like, I remember going to school with Bob because they're like, okay, this guy's already going through so much shit. And then if someone does decide that, they can just pinpoint that one person that's going to come and say something and be like, all right, well, you're dead. <laughs> but But they wouldn't kill Bob? If they would kill his friends, they would just kill him. That seems way easier, and the government has definitely done that in the past. Oh, yeah. They've killed public figures, let alone some no-name scientist who worked at a a lab. A fucking U.S. president. (laughs) You don't think they would have just fucking killed this guy? I think there was bigger things at play with like... (laughs) <laughs> with JFK and MLK than fucking then Bob aliens Lazar. and fucking aliens from another planet. Uh, well, I'm saying he's not like he doesn't have any like evidence to support his claim. So by them 
discredited by them discrediting his like <laughs> his, his, character. his character and like his education it already discredits him because now going forward he's not going to be able to get a nice high paying job being a physicist somewhere because they're going to be like oh where's your degree bob oh it looks like this place never heard of you i don't even know if they check that kind of stuff i think if you think about einstein dude if I, if the government scrubbed Einstein's records, he would just fucking do some crazy shit on a chalkboard and be like, "Well, this e is obviously isn't Einstein, and he'd be able to get a motherfucker." Job. Okay, yeah, that's, this is a guy that's putting jet engines in a fucking Honda Civic. I get that, but I'm saying he says he got a master's at both institutions. If to get a master's, you have to teach there. You would have your own office, a mentor, professor. Like there would be so many people that knew this guy. I don't think you get, get your own you office. You do. I looked it up. You have to have an office and be okay. like a teacher's assistant, a professor's assistant. Well, yes, you do have to be a teacher's assistant. And but. then write your thesis, which is like a published fucking, um, you know, like do like peer-reviewed document. Well, le let me... Let me ask you a question, Ryan. Do you know if anyone has come out like asking... Because you can only ask a limited number of people that either attended MIT or Caltech. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, do you know Bob Lazar? And it's like, no. Maybe they didn't know him because they weren't studying the same thing. Maybe they didn't have the same classes as him. And also... You know or, I'm somebody would... You, you know people from, from college, you know? But but well, who's asking it? Because I doubt people are just going to be like, "Yeah, I knew Bob Lazar well, yeah, when I was said, at MIT." I'm pretty sure it was on the Rogan interview. Like Corbell was like, "What? Well, well, we uh, we interviewed guys from his college, and they knew him, but they won't go on public record." So it's like you're okay. Yeah, so you're just saying sketchy. kind of like, "Hey, believe me," you know. That's what the whole kind of documentary is. It's just like, "Hey, I found these guys. He told me, trust me." Like, <laughs> bring the fucking no, guy out. No, for sure, but it's kind of like, who's asking? Like, did they do a survey where they asked, a like, it, what sample size are we working with? Are we yeah, just see, having, that's... like, no one come out and say they know them? Or are we, are we talking about, like, a survey of, like, an X amount of people that attended these universities that studied the same thing as him that were asked that specific question and said no? That's I mean, what, think like, of, I, like... I did you ever have like a weirdo you went to college with that you can remember right off the bat? Yeah, his name is Billy. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> All right. Imagine if you oh, saw <laughs> Imagine if you saw Billy fucking 20 years later on Joe Rogan talking about alien technology. Wouldn't you be like, "Dude, I fucking went to college with this dickhead." Yeah, but I'm not what am I going to run to the <laughs> news and be that? like, "Hey, yeah. I know this guy that was on Joe Rogan's podcast." No, they're going to be like, I, just, "I don't give a fuck, dude. Like get out of my office." Yeah, like who's <laughs> right, going yeah, out right. and saying and, that? That's kind of what like I just need to know that part of it for me to have a Well, that's what I'm saying. Somebody surely would have done that and but been I, like, "Hey, I got look at this picture of me and Bob fucking drinking at Alpha Theta Chi." Or well, didn't you know? <laughs> didn't they they did find in the documentary, they did find records of him at Los Alamos. All right, so yeah, scrub. we'll get to that. We'll get but, to that. All right, but my what I wanted to say at the be before we got into all that shit was okay. So he sucked in high school. Well, much like <laughs> your boy Rob Scott right here, I also didn't have the best grades in high school, and I had to go to a community college before I went to a like four year institute. 
So did, did you it, get into fucking MIT and Caltech and get a master's? No, you didn't. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! No, but I'm saying, didn't he go to that fucking community college? Yeah, he did, he did go. There. So he could have gone there first and then went to those. All right, all right, in. all right. Let's press on. Let's press on. All right. Now, furthermore, Bob claims that his birth certificate uh, was erased. And this was one of the reasons he went public because he got like uh, super, I guess, like he got shook after this. Now, again, I'm doing some online sleuthing. So he was born in Florida, correct? Now, Rob, as our self-proclaimed lawyer, you should know this, Rob. (laughs) Self-proclaimed. Yes, you should know this, Rob, that Florida law makes it impossible for anyone but Bob or a legal guardian to request a copy of records that confirm whether they exist or not, like a birth certificate. Now, Bob is the one who claims that his birth certificate no longer exists. Now, so if we're saying, okay, this is true, the government erased his MIT master's, they erased his Caltech master's, they erased his his birth certificate, how is Bob in 2022 able to drive a car, fly anywhere without an ID, which would require documentation that he says doesn't exist like a birth certificate. Also, what purpose would it serve for the government to get rid of his birth certificate? What are we thinking there? Well, I mean, if he already had an ID, you basically Your just... ID expires, dude. If he had an ID and they erased yeah, but his thing in the I'm 80s... saying when, when my ID expired and I found out that it was fucking revoked by the state i didn't have to have a birth certificate i just showed him my old id and then they said i well we need another id because that's expired i showed them another expired id from virginia of me and they used that okay so we're saying this is possible because my passport is also expired so it's like all my shit's expired like so I'm do you need a birth certificate to, to get it. a new passport mm, i'm not sure about that I'm sure you probably do, but I mean, you could still fly and drive. Well, you're the lawyer. Domestically with just a driver's license, which also I found out that you don't even, I mean, I'm not trying to out anyone at TSA here, but I did fly (laughs) with an expired driver's license because these motherfuckers just looked at the picture, looked at me and were like, you're good to go. All right. When I was leaving Virginia, coming back like, out here. How often are they checking expiration dates? Like, I highly doubt that's a thing. They probably just look at it like, all right, yeah, yeah this is you. Yeah, especially around the holidays. Well, I, got, right, good. I got fucked on the way going back, like, leaving California because I show, I tried to, like, sneak that one by him by showing him my expired Virginia one. And then the lady was like. So you're like Bob Lazar. Oh, well. We got to send you to this line. <laughs> remember, you were with me, dude. I had to go through That's that special Bob, line. Yeah I, yeah, I remember. The Bob Lazar line, they call it. Yeah, the Lazar right. line. <laughs> okay, but what purpose would it serve for the government to get rid of his birth certificate? How I guess that? maybe in the future or like... In the future? <laughs> like if, if his stuff does expire or... May, I don't know what you so need your birth certificate for. So they're just fucking with him, basically? For. Okay. Man, I... Uh... Honestly, like the skepticism, like the, the when I hear these things, I go, hmm. Would the Sorry, government sometimes really try for to certain do that? jobs you might need it? So I guess if you ever wanted to get like another top secret, okay. Well, I mean, you you need it for like regular jobs. Uh, just real quick, I mean, I'm in human resources. That's like my profession, and I do I nine. So it's like every single new hire at my company, I like check. I have to like check like certain documents and I- identification. 
that like proves they're a citizen. What if they say, "Hey, Bill, um, government destroyed my birth certificate." What are you telling them? <laughs> yeah, what do you say to these people, dude? I, I'm just like, that sucks. I mean, you can. There are other list C documents that USCIS accepts. Okay, so you so there are other documents. So that's not fully out of the question. Now, okay, how about this one, guys? Why would they leave his records from high school and community college? Did they just fucking forget? They just skipped over that. They said, "Let's get his birth certificate and his and his masters. We'll leave this shit in here." Why wouldn't they just wipe the whole fucking slate? I mean, that'd I'm, be too sus. I'm thinking. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's somebody fucked up on the job. Is that all? This guy went to fucking community college. We didn't even see that. Bro, oh, it's high school. It's we just forgot. Sus. I'm sorry. Like, okay, you're gonna erase a dude's complete identity immediately. But Rob, you had a thought. I wanted to hear well, your. No, my thought. thought was just if you're really trying to fuck someone over, and you take away a birth certificate, which they need to get a good job, and you take away their credibility of having that master's degree, which is like the whole reason that they would have hired him in the first place. I mean, that that pretty much fucks you over because just to get one master's, that's like probably six years of schooling down the drain. And then it's like, oh, we'll, we'll leave you with your fucking GED. <laughs> and you Bob can go Lazar. get, you can go fucking work at McDonald's with this shit. Bob Lazar yeah. has no grade point average. <laughs> <laughs> Why not just merc him a- at that point, like Ryan said earlier. Well, That's what I, I mean, kind of was getting at with all this. He's already... They're murking him on paper, Billy. This is paper warfare. I th- I think yeah. if you want to fully believe what this guy's saying, when he saw the signs of, like, they're scrubbing my shit, that's when he went public, and then it's like, they all right. They stopped scrubbing it. If they, if they decide to murk me now, at least I went public, and then you can see that, like... This is what the government's really up to. But if you're looking at it from like the flipped viewpoint of the government and you're like, all right, this guy is like trying to fuck us over. We're just going to erase pretty much all existence of him. And like, what are you going to do with your fucking high school diploma? You're not going to do shit, Bob. Bottom third of your class, Bob. You're going to be selling fucking. And also from the You're going to be selling chemicals, and then we're going to get you on that because you're selling them across state lines, you <laughs> fucking right, moron. Right, right. Yeah, no, but from the government's perspective, too, uh, it's like Bob Lazar saying all this crazy stuff about being involved, investigating, and back engineering a UFO. Like, they're probably like, man, people aren't going to believe this crazy dude. We can just, like, wipe half his record. Well, and, like, but, discredit him. You know what I mean? Well, like, also, whatever. Well, like, that's that's also another thing is, like, if you take all that shit away from him and then he's saying this stuff and people like us go to, like, fact check it, basically, and you can't find anything, then you're like, okay, this guy's definitely full of shit. Like, he doesn't even have a degree. Right. So there's no way exactly. they would have so ever hired. He's him. automatically discredited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. I'm. I could stand by that. So you're saying he starts seeing his stuff scrubbed, and he goes public, and then the government kind of puts a pause on scrubbing his records, and now he's safe because he's in the public eye. Okay. Now, Rob. Well, not totally safe. They could yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. have but still. It, but you know, safe for the time being. Put now, him out in us for. Now earlier you said. 
records of Bob being a physicist at Los Alamos. So the phone book, that's one of the biggest things. Um, this is in like every documentary. Now I've got a snippet of the phone book here. Now Lazar claims to have been a physicist working in this capacity during his tenure at Los Alamos. Um, now this, as I said, revealed that his role had been a technician for a contractor firm named Kirk Meyer. Now see that initial by Bob's name? What is that? KM. 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 So not a lab employee, but an employee of a subcontractor who staffed the lab with technicians. Um, now in many documents, they only show the half with like these numbers and his name. Yeah. They don't show that the initials KM are right by his name. So it's kind of misleading. Now I was tracking oh, down, yeah. I was tracking down some interviews that some people um, who are skeptics on Bob put forward. Now this one gentleman tracked down a physicist by the name of John Jarmer. Uh, now he worked at the lab for over two decades in the in the two decades in the polarized proton section where Bob says he worked, and he said, "quote." When I was at Los Alamos at the lab working, Bob did some electrical technician work that I'm aware of. There was no reference to him ever having a background in physics. If he does, he should be able to put forth his degree credentials wherever they're from. He was employed by Kirk Meyer. Mayer or Meyer? Mayer. Kirk Mayer. Kirk Mayer, who supplied contract technicians to the laboratory. And beyond that, I've heard and seen some of the stuff that's been published, and most of it is fantasy. He worked at the laboratory for a short time, got crosswise with management because he was misusing laboratory telephones, and they let him go. Now, this is also why most skeptics say that his physicist designation is uh, self-proclaimed, because he was never truly a physicist at Los Alamos. Okay. But that's coming from one guy's perspective, which I mean, I can understand if it's the only perspective you, you're going on, then yes. Okay, like, now, okay. but this gentleman also is someone who can confirm he works and is a physicist and has credentials at Los Alamos. So are you going right. to believe that guy or the guy who has no credentials? Scrub that's credentials. True. <laughs> that's Scrub true. That's true. Okay. And you're not working with, with a with much you know you're working with one guy's account but he does have the background to back it up and what about the phone book it says km kirk mayer okay so he's saying that he was contracted with someone else through the department of navy correct no so at los almos is a totally different thing los almos is in bob's story is before he got hired by the navy to do the area 51 work or s4 work that's right so okay. he says that gotcha at this los is the almos, yeah he says he was a physicist he got this job with his degree but he was never officially employed by los almos he was working for the subcontractor that staffed him with like electric, like he was doing like electrical work, like hooking computers together, that type of shit. And apparently he was misusing the phones. I guess I was looking more into this. They had like a phone there that could go long distance, do whatever. And Bob was kind of like running some side hustle business, just using that phone. And they were like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And like fired him. Man, they were just checking yeah, the phones. I don't know. <laughs> 
I'm a physicist. You can't fire me. Exactly. Really doubting his credibility at this point. Yeah. Now, now that brings me to our next, this is the next point of skepticism is the polygraphs. Now this is in numerous doc. This is in all the documentaries, all the fucking KLAS shit. Um, a lot of YouTube videos you see. So Bob took a bunch of polygraph tests as part of the original KLS reports. Now, the results of the first polygraph by Ron Slay were ultimately inconclusive, inconclusive, as Bob proved to be truthful on one set of questions and deceitful on another. Now, they, now George Knapp brought in a second polygrapher. Is that how you would say it? Polygrapher? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, named Terry Tavernetti. Now, he was brought in and ran four sets of questions. Bob failed the first set of questions but seemed to pass the next three sets of questions. Now, this gentleman, Terry, was going to say Bob passed, but instead he decided to consult with two other polygrapher colleagues. One agreed with Terry, and the other thought that Bob was retelling a story he learned by heart. So in other words, all four of them discussed it and could not come to an agreement that Bob was being 100% truthful. And this is all in the original KLAS story. Um, so in Corbell's documentary, he cuts that in half and he presents it as this only this Terry guy saying that Bob was truthful. He leaves out the fucking whole rest of that segment that says they consulted with four total polygraphers and they could not conclusively say he was telling the truth. Now I get it. Like polygraphs are a fucking, aren't they kind of in the realm of like woo woo science? Like they're not, they don't use yeah. them in court anymore, that type of shit. But I mean, what do it's we a think? Gray area. Yeah. But what do we think? Well, obviously you're not going to use um, a story that discredits what you're trying to prove in your documentary. I, exactly, but that's so my you're grump. just using the stuff. That's my gripe. Well, but it's the same thing as you just showed us earlier with the the KM in the phone book. You don't see that in the documentary. You just exactly see they're presenting that his name one and there's sided. a number. Well, yeah, obviously, is what I'm saying is the that's guy, fucking misleading as fuck, dude. Well, it's your, your job as a, that's what I'm saying. Jeremy's job as a fucking documentary fucking dude to be a documentary to, to dude. fucking present this objectively. Not just show us the side that fucking fits his narrative. Well, that's what he, he's trying to sell a movie, you know? All right, so we, uh, what are we thinking of this? Does this discredit him more in your eyes? Is this a red flag? Is this... What are we thinking? I mean, the... I think that the prior thing, finding out that he was just a contractor working at Los Alamos is a bit more dis discrediting in my eyes than... I feel like polygraphs are kind of like... Whatever. Okay. So that's a whatever science. Well, I mean, also, I think, honestly, I mean, it looked like he passed a lot of it, but we all have to remember that there are really good liars that exist in this world, you know, that have no problem just lying through their teeth. Yeah. Or he could have been telling the truth and he passed mostly. When did he take and these with these things... So this was with the original KLS by George Knapp, probably sometime in the late 80s, early 90s, I would assume. Okay. But I feel like these things are just like intrinsically subjective, like in terms of how you interpret the data that comes out. Like, yeah. Oh, like was his like heart rate a little bit slower? His pulse was a little bit like, you know? Yeah, that is true because also like with polygraphs, um, I was like looking more into this, but ultimately decided not to because... 
like you just said, it it's like fucking doesn't matter. But aren't polygraphs like so wouldn't it be like this guy, Terry Tavanetti, does the tests and then he passes them on to another guy who interprets them? Like in the documentary, this guy, he took them and interpreted them. Isn't that like not how you would do it? I'm pretty sure There's that usually two guys. Yeah. And yeah. And so it's completely like, uh, one guy gives one the guy test. can't be biased. Yeah. The guy that yeah. gives the test can't be biased when he's in there in the room, he gives his results and then that guy kind of interprets them and they have like two specialized fields, one of administering the test, the other of interpreting it. Right. But it's just an interpretation and like, you know, Bob could easily be like some sociopath. I mean, his track record is not the best. <laughs> yeah, Prostitution okay. ring, whatever. Alien he could pin. be some like sociopathic, just like, you know, just swindler, essentially. He was a really good liar. Or he could actually be telling the truth. But we can't deny that he passed a majority of the polygraph. All so. right. Now, okay. So so that brings me to his, his next endeavor, which is Bob's book. So surely... If he writes an entire book on his life, um, he would have some sort of proof, some sort of explanation verifying his claims. Um, And, you know, I guess he writes some interesting points uh, in his book about like the physics of the whole thing and the physics he discusses and how it could work uh, and be proven. But if that's the case and he is, if he is who he says he is, a guy who got a master's at MIT and he studied this alien tech and, and kind of got a, a lay of the physics, then why wouldn't he write another thesis and get a fucking Nobel Prize? Why would he just write the same story we've all heard before just in book form? You know? Because he goes on a fucking tear in the book about physics, which is just, I don't know, I feel like that just confuses the reader anymore because your average guy who's going to read this book isn't a fucking physicist, so he's like, Oh, this guy sounds legit. You know, he's using scientific terms. But why wouldn't Bob just come forward with another fucking thesis, brilliant fucking Nobel Prize thesis on this physics, and bada fucking bing, he's back in the fucking limelight. Well, I don't think a guy that got his entire career basically scrubbed is going to be winning a Nobel Prize. Yeah, but Rob, to Joe Rogan, you dude, that's just a fucking dusty piece of paper. The knowledge is all up here, man. I know, but I'm saying if you're already under that amount of scrutiny to the point where the government needs to erase your existence, then... But if the physics works, it's going to get a Nobel Prize. I mean, there's probably some guy behind the scenes there that's like, sorry, Bob, can't oh, okay. give it to you. The JM. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Bob. The JM is cracking down on hey, him Bob. and Kanye. Hey, Bob, this is uh, looking good, but unfortunately, Kanye, yeah, we saw that back in uh, 89, you had your record scrubbed. Okay, so. all right. Now, also in the book, he breaks down his alleged education and numerous degrees at MIT and Caltech in about three sentences. He basically says, then I went to Caltech and then I went to MIT. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's what I'm saying. Even, even George Knapp, who broke the original story, tried to verify these claims and was told by both institutions that they never heard of Bob. 
and he had never attended either university. Why can't he clear it up in his book? A more detailed account. I mean, it's like we said, everybody fucking remembers their college years. They remember, hey, I smoked way too much keef and tripped on the ice and was fucking blitzed out of my mind at this party. I couldn't take a shower. I got drunk and fucking passed out on this chick's car. Like, he would have some kind of story. I studied under this guy. My advisor was this guy. Lazar has none of this information. Well, shouldn't he at least just have a fucking diploma? I mean, unless they came to his house and that was part of the scrubbing. They well, fucking... they did come to his house. <laughs> okay, so maybe they took his diploma. But it's like you could have had... I mean, that the fucking FBI raid was in 2017, right? So it's like all that time you had before that. Well, yeah, that's where I'm kind of getting at. Why in, in... They fucking went into his house when he was working at Area 51 and were like... All right, get this guy's diplomas out yeah. of here. Well, but not if he had a diploma, though, like if he had a diploma, just show it in the Jeremy Corbell document. Right, or right. Be like, yo, I went but to if, MIT, check if, out my diploma. They erased my record. But look, yeah, it's right exactly. Because how the fuck would he get a diploma? Now, also, but I guess their story is that the government fucking took it. But also, what's more than the diploma is the fucking teachers, dude. I mean, I could name you fucking five teachers i had this guy can't even name one i can't really remember a lot of the, my teachers like i remember a couple but like but you could name it's... them if you had to right i remember my advisor both of my advisors and i can i name mean them, i was kind of disconnected verify... with college <laughs> okay okay huh. so you're like Bob. i was like going there just to you know i mean i wanted to learn stuff i wanted to get my degree but it, like i wasn't like you know, super invested in like remembering my advisors and stuff. I don't know. That just wasn't me, but all right. Now, now there maybe, have, maybe Lazar um, was like that. Now there have been other claims that have been made that, uh, he was sent to MIT and Caltech for classes secretly by the government, which is why there is no record and he can't name any professors or classmates. Mm. Well, he would still be able to remember <laughs> yeah, know, classmates yeah. and, that's Professors. what I okay. Also, get this. So, how about a little uh, wrench in the gears here? 1993, Bob Lazar spoke at a UFO symposium at the Little Alien just outside of Area 51. Um, and in the QA session, which this is on YouTube, you can go fucking watch it. He pulls up in a fucking Corvette with Majestic 12 license plates. <laughs> And he told nice. the, he told the crowd that he had a professor Duxler and Hosfield at MIT and Caltech. Now Duxler was not found by Stanton Friedman when he inquired. However, there was a Hosfield and Duxler who were found to be Bob's high school and Pierce College teachers. Um, which there is record of Bob attending his high school and Pierce College. Um, but in the Q&A, he specifically mentions them as being from MIT and Caltech. So what are we thinking here? If he can name these guys, they can go verify they worked at the high school in Pierce College. Why can't he name a guy from MIT or Caltech? What do we think? Is this a red oh flag or is gosh. this a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, it is a crimson flag. Like oh my. the same names <laughs> of professors like that you just had on record from these like and also why did he just make a fucking yeah, name? Why up? the fuck would he name? Maybe he's trying to like 
say, oh, maybe I just mixed it up in my head, but these were some of my professors. Like, why the fuck would you no. say a fucking ass? I, I feel oh, like he would know that. Teacher. He would yeah, know right? that when he said that. There's no way he'd be like, oh, yeah, no, MIT, Duxler and Hosefield. Yeah. <laughs> Hosefield, Hosfield, whatever. Like, But he's like, you know what I'm saying? And he actually has record of being at a high school in a college that's not MIT. Okay. And they happen to have the same names. That's that's sus. I'm sorry. All right, is that is that yeah, is that breaking the story anymore for you guys in any which way where you're leaning on like hey, he's lying or he's telling the truth or do we think we can kind of push past this like with everything else? Is there I'm wondering is All right, so this guy Los Alamos is New Mexico, correct? Correct. And then he was working in Las Vegas before he got the job at Area 51. S4, but yes. So born in Florida, lived in New Mexico, California, and Nevada. Long Island as well. And I think I think he moved uh, around as a kid. Okay. I don't I don't really know like this whole childhood. Well, I'm just wondering where MIT fits into all this because it seems like he was kind of in the southwest for a majority of well, his life. Well, yeah, and I would and say then, MIT is before Los Alamos because if he's saying he was a yeah. physicist at Los Alamos, he would have had to get his masters and shit before getting hired there, right? Well, I wonder if anyone can find any like Maybe it's not a school record, but maybe you have like a rent record or a job record of him being even in that area. A dorm record. Close so he to stayed MIT. in a dorm room. He had you a know? fucking apartment off campus. Yeah, that I mean, hey, that's another fucking maybe wrench we'll in look the gears. Into that. All right. Okay. I don't think he I don't think he could could have forgotten it to that extent. There's a big difference between a high school teacher and a teacher at MIT. <laughs> yeah. Unless Billy, I don't the know. Government that, meddled with weird. his memory using mind altering MK ultra drugs. Yeah. I mean, that's like, if he's like, go like about to have onset, like Alzheimer's or something like, okay. Yeah. You know, Back and maybe that's 93. the case. Maybe that's the case. <laughs> okay. Now. All right. Now let's get into some of Bob's claims. Cause Billy, like you're saying, Hey, this guy had some fucking claims that came true. Um, let's get into some of these because I'm diving into these now. Basically, the most common uttered claim on why people find Bob Lazar credible, Rogan fucking unsufferably repeats this, is that he's remained consistent and level-headed since he first began telling his story in 89. I mean, you've heard it. He's remained consistent since he told his story, right? Everybody fucking says that, you know, now I do some diving. As I said, there's, um, there's like a whole series of these articles on medium.com, uh, which are published by user signals intelligence. Um, he did like a whole series of articles on Bob or they did a whole series of articles on Bob. Um, and I'll link that in the description. Now in this one, I was looking at this guy cross reference hours of interviews, um, and I pulled just a few that I thought were interesting <clears throat> as to how Bob has not remained consistent in his storytelling. So as we just said, possibly the government used mind altering drugs on him. Now in an interview with Timothy good from 1990, Bob claims that his memory was affected by use of drugs and hypnosis. He says upon employment at the lab, they took numerous blood samples and he was given a glass of yellow liquid that smelled like pine. 
before being hypnotized numerous times. Went a little heavy on the pine tree perfume there. <laughs> yeah, so now five years later, 95, Bob goes on Coast to Coast AM with George Knapp, uh, where George asked him, "Did you do you think they mess with your memory, um, that stuff you drank? Um, they certainly intimidated you, right? Bob answers, I don't think so. I don't know if the technology existed back then. I don't know how much technology exists today to selectively affect memories, but I never experienced any memory loss to any degree. Uh, so if they did fuck with his memory, maybe it worked. <laughs> you know, maybe that's, five years. Yeah, maybe that's why you can't remember. <laughs> but uh, okay, that's a small inconsistency, right? Okay. All right. We, maybe we could buy that inconsistency. Let's keep rolling. Now, the next one is, where did the crafts originate? Now, in 89, <clears throat> he says they were given to us or retrieved from somewhere due to the lack of damage. He says they were not crash landing. There was like, they were immaculate. So it had to be either retrieved or given to us from, from something. Now, in 1990, he says that one of the craft was like a top hat. Uh, and it had a small amount of damage, as if it was shot with a large projectile from underneath. Now, he said this was only the top hat. All the other ones were immaculate. Now, in 93, he says there were nine in all, and each one was different. Three had been taken apart for investigation. One was damaged, and one had crashed only in August of 81. Now, as we said, he's out of the public eye. Uh, for a while after the late 90s, early 2000s, he starts giving interviews again in 2015, and more details are added to his story. 2015, he says, well, there's one, and I mentioned this a long time ago, and I never added this one thing. There was one, like I said, that had been shot with a projectile, and I know for a fact it came out of the water. That's all I know. Now, 2019, he says, my gut feeling, and this is only my gut feeling." I have no information. He says, I believe that uh, some of these craft were like an archaeological find. Now, in 2019, on Joe Rogan, he says, something must have been said to me from Barry, who is his lab partner at S4. Um, but it was so long ago, I can't quite remember. Um, I think at least one of them was from an archaeological <laughs> dig. So it's old. At least one of them is old. I don't know um, if it was the one I worked on, but I remember something to do with an archaeological dig. So it's not just old. It's ancient. So again, you know, we can see this fucking linear path. Like he he's adding pieces to the story over time. Elements of his story are changing. You know, what are we thinking there? I honestly, I, I think that, uh, you know, your, your narrative, like you can add details as you recall things with time. Okay. Like just so you're because thinking he, maybe just because he's remembering? Come, yeah. I mean, just because like he didn't come out saying like, oh yeah, one was from an archaeological dig. Like, you know, he, he was basically just like, yo, there are alien craft in this hangar when he first started talking about it. And then like over time, I don't think it's like unrealistic to think that like you can just recall certain details that just like you know appear later on but why then wouldn't it be reverse when it's mostly fresh in his mind why wouldn't he have the most detail and then i don't things necessarily would get... think that 
Yeah, I think that like over time, like you can process, and this is just my opinion. I'm not a scientist, like we always say, <laughs> but <laughs> no way in hell. Self-proclaimed physicist. But, exactly. All day. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think... It, so we're it, yeah, so you can okay. recall stuff, but that would definitely say that his story is not consistent, right? I wouldn't say that it's that it's not consistent. I would just, I mean, yeah, it is a little bit like weird that he's adding on details later on for sure. But I just think like as time goes on and you process things that happen in your life, especially something as like crazy as something like that, th- okay. there are just going to be memories that like you remember you know, down the line and it's like, oh yeah. Or you knew it all along, but you just decided not to talk about it in that moment. Also given that that first interview was pulled from 1990, which is like a year after all this stuff is coming out. Correct. Mm -hmm. Don't you think that that's probably the time where he's probably still super paranoid thinking that the government might be trying to kill him. And he's also doing like, a bunch of interviews talking with George Knapp, all that, like it's a lot of crazy shit going on in his life. So he probably didn't have every full detail that he wanted to like get out. And those interviews are kind of like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Like just trying to get as much information on like the projects as they can. It's not as much of the details. Does that make sense? But that's, contradicting what you just said they're trying to get as much information as possible no, but i'm saying like holding stuff i'm saying they're just like did you see this what is this yeah so wouldn't he be like yeah one came out of the water one was from an archaeological dig like he would have that information fresh in his mind but i'm willing to let that one slide okay i guess that makes a little sense but for me i'm thinking it's just a little weird that he keeps adding small pieces and and it keeps kind of snowballing the story. Um, now right. the next claim is, and this is probably like one of the most interesting tidbits, which is like Area Fifty One. So as we saw on our Area Fifty One episode, it didn't become public record until June twenty fifth of twenty thirteen, when the government more or less publicly acknowledged the existence of the base for the first time. Now again. That's not to say that somebody couldn't have known about it. Obviously, people fucking worked there since its inception back in the fucking 40s. Um, But Bob coming out and making Area 51 what we know it is today is an interesting piece, right? Like, if this guy was just a fucking idiot grifter who's making this story up, how how would he know this stuff? You know? I think this is the most interesting piece... That lends credence to his story is that he comes out and then like fucking however many years later, it's confirmed. Hey, this is a fucking base where we do secret shit. How would he fucking know about this? I mean, well, didn't they actually confirm that S4 was like a real base too? uh, No. So I have that a little bit later. S4 has never been verified. Um, Okay. Now. Okay. So back to the Area 51, though. Let's just start off with that. Because if he was um, like, if he was hanging around with kind of conspiracy people who are into UFOs and they decided to cook up this story, uh, or if he was just hanging around Rachel Nevada in general, um, 
working with, you know, high up guys at Lanel, he could have gathered bits and pieces about Area 51, do we think? Maybe he did actually apply for a job there, but didn't get it. And then he kind of cooks up this whole story to be like, fuck, fuck these guys. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. What are we thinking there? That's I mean, a, he was in a government facility, so it's like those, I'm sure, like, word elbow. passes along about, yeah. like, you know, this base in Nevada called Area 51 where they do a lot of weird testing. And he could have overheard it in a conversation at Los Alamos and then just, like, cooked up this whole thing. Okay, so that kind of pokes a hole in the whole, in this whole part of the story. Because I was also, as we know, um... Rob and my father, Hal, he did work at Area 51 back in 96. Now, I was asking him when he was out here. No um, shit. Really? Yeah. He did a bunch of That's projects badass. there. Yeah. We we talk about it in the Area 51 episode. But um, so I asked, you know, did you know about the base before you were sent to work there? And could someone have heard about it in the 90s? Now, he said, obviously, yes, because there's restricted airspace over that entire section of Nevada. So commercial pilots, um, just like, you know, guys that have a pilot license that fly every day, know not to go over there. That's restricted airspace. So word would get around that, hey, there's a fucking something going on out here. <clears throat> you know, it's not like they go to every fucking airline pilot and say, this is restricted airspace. And if you tell anybody about it, we will fucking kill you. Like they're going to just say, Hey, this is restricted airspace. Don't go over it. And, and people are going to fucking get inklings of, Hey, what the fuck's going on out there? You know? I mean, that's a very solid point. Rob, do you remember, uh, your dad talking about that at all? Like, I just remember him like showing us pictures from it and he got us some alien, cool alien stuff. Oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, now. Man, that's tight. I had no idea. I grew up with you guys, man. We went to high school together, and I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah, dude. And he, you and know, he told us he couldn't tell us anything about it, but he showed us pictures from, like, the extraterrestrial highway, the little alien, like, right outside of Area 51, and then he just got us, like, a bunch of little, like, alien souvenirs and stuff from... Yeah, and I know uh, I know our Area 51 episode was before you joined the show, but in that episode I interviewed him for like his his job and shit and he he did actually share with me a bunch of stuff that he worked on out there that's now been declassified, but he said I think um still like half the stuff he worked on out there is is still classified. Um but you know, yeah, pretty cool. Now, as you were saying, S4 never been verified. Uh, now, people have done numerous flybys on the cusp of restricted airspace, uh, which I think they recently like expanded the restricted airspace, but it used to be a lot smaller and people, you know, um, like private pilots or like, uh, what do you call them? Like recreate, like the guys that fly those little fucking scuds. Commercial pilots. Well, not commercial. That's like airline pilots, like just the guys that do it for like a hobby, flying like little biplanes or little prop planes. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I saw this one guy who would, he does flybys like right on the edge of the restricted airspace and takes photos with a high power camera. And the surrounding area of Papoose Lake seems to be virtually untouched. You know, there is no evidence that anything was ever there. There's no roads leading in, or at least no paved roads leading in. There's no soil disturbances, nothing. 
Now, I asked Hal if he ever heard of Inklings of S4 when he worked out at the base. And he said, <clears throat> obviously, 90s, mid-90s, they heard about Bob Lazar and shit. He said all the guys that he worked with uh, concluded that Bob likely made it up, you know? I bet they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Bob also <laughs> also claims that the lab looked no more than 7 to 10 years old. Um, so if we're going off those numbers, that means it was built in 79 and we have nothing like surely there would be some it's desert, you know, look at the nuclear blast in the desert. Hal said, when you fly over them, you can see that there, it looks like the surface, of the moon, you know, there's all these craters out there. There's nothing that says this base was there. He said the hangars were built in the side of a mountain. You'd be able to like kind of make it out, you know, right. Or are we saying no? This is. I a mean, if they're base. dug out of the side of a mountain, I don't know if you're going to be able to see that when you're over top of it. Where are you putting all that dirt? On the ground to cover up your tracks. <laughs> okay, where's the fucking road leading in? There's never been any bus or anything photographed driving out that way. I don't know. It just they seems kind of in the odd. middle of the night. Cover the tracks up after they're done. All right. So every time a bus goes by, they go to the <laughs> um, There's a dude with like a shovel. Maybe there's a maybe there's a like tunnel following the- a tunnel. Okay, an underground fucking elongated muskrat type tunnel. Yeah, hyperloop. Hey, but would again, you, where would you be fucking you surprised know. to find out that there's a tunnel under Papoose Lake that leads from Area 51? Some secret test facility where they actually have everything. All right, I guess that wouldn't surprise me. Now, how about the <laughs> how about the W two? And this is where I'll bring in the the majestic level clearance, the majestic twelve stuff. So Bob's W two, he pro- he provided this fucking W two. Um, now a lot of people say this is fake for two reasons. One, it has an employer that does not exist. It says the it notes the Department of Naval Intelligence. Um, which is actually the Office of Naval Intelligence. Was that changed, though? Or has it always been that? No, that it's always the Office of Naval Intelligence. Now, the W-2 is also typed and not printed, which is a, a huge red flag. And it also shows a made-up MAJ in the OMB, which is the Office of Management and Budget, um, right up here. See how it has this number, but then... It's got this like bullshit number with MAJ. Okay. Now they're saying yeah. so apparently when it's a there it like the first fucking eight digits is legitimate and that designates hey this is what this form is but the fucking MAJ it seems to be something that he just made up along with this majestic clearance. And this is likely <laughs> alluding to the once popular conspiracy theory of majestic 12 which has now been flagrantly debunked over the years. And, you know, there was this whole... Have you guys ever heard of Majestic 12? I did want to put together an episode on it. I thought it would be kind of funny to get into. Okay. But it has been fully debunked, you know? It's essentially like this concept of Majestic 12 emerged during the 1980s when ufologists believed there had been a cover-up of the Roswell incident. And they... uh speculated that there was like a secretive upper tier of the United States government that was responsible and they were known as Majestic 12. They talk about a lot on the X-Files and shit. It was it was real popular at the time. Now, furthermore, I also asked Hal um, if he 
like what his W-2 said, you know, and if he would have any record of working there. And he kind of, he was kind of puzzled by this question because he thought a lot about it. And he was like, honestly, not really. Well, but for him, that's different because... Because he's getting paid by the Navy. I yeah, get and they're that, not like, still. oh, you were out at Area 51. Here's your special pay for that. Yeah, but he even would say, but why wouldn't they do that? If they gave Bob a fucking... Well, because he's a, he's a naval officer, so he doesn't have to have any like... So that's just part of his fucking salary? Yeah, I okay. would think so. They probably maybe like give you a bonus for doing extra shit like that, but... Also, if he's a physicist working there, I'm not even sure that, I mean, obviously they're probably giving you a W-2, but I don't think that they would put Majestic your, se- yeah, your security yeah. clearance on <laughs> your fucking yeah. W-2. I think that is a bit of a fucking red flag as well. Like they're not putting, oh, hey, Majestic 12 is this high up level of 12 people who only have clearance to look at this Roswell wreckage. Yeah, we'll put print that on the W-2. That's going out on the W-2s, guys, right? <laughs> you know, they're not fucking giving that to the IRS. Yeah, why would – that doesn't make a ton of sense, man. That, yes, that is also another – and it also – Is this something Bob presented himself? I don't know if Bob presented himself, but I, it's in a lot of the stuff you look up on Bob. They have this W-2 as like a fucking prime piece. Did someone else create it or something? Who knows? I would though? think, yes, Bob because didn't the way presented it's himself. I mean, who well, yeah, but, but like in interviews and in the fucking Corbell documentary, it's in there. They got flashes. Oh, he's of like, it yeah, shit. this is my W two. <laughs> yeah, he's no. like, check it check out, this bad boy out, Majestic. MJ boy, and he's got also got the MJ plates on the fucking Corvette. <laughs> 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 All right. Now, also, I was asking how because um hal told us on the area 51 episode like the flights you take from janet airport into the base are the windows are completely blacked out and any bus you take around the base the windows are completely blacked out now he said this is because they don't want you to see other shit going on on the base obviously we know government 101 they're compartmentalizing everything um so i kind of i asked him you know would you know what direction you were headed or where on the base you were and he was saying, unless you really had a good sense of direction or kind of, you know, knew how to pinpoint where you were, it's not like Bob would know that he's going south to S4. Mm. So that's kind of weird, right? Unless Bob was, I mean, Bob could have been super aware. Maybe he had a compass on him. Well, also, though, wasn't, didn't he say that he basically like when they let him go that he found out that they've been like surveilling him like the whole time and he w- had been talking about like videoing stuff and like tape recording stuff that he shouldn't have been mm, I don't remember any of that in the uh, documentary no, I I don't either but still hey maybe, guys, can maybe I... I'm thinking of the maybe I'm thinking of the uh Joe Rogan but he definitely talked about how they were. He vid- said they were videoing the test flights when he took his buddies, but that was not when he was in yeah, the but, base. But remember, he said that there was like guys hiding out in the mountains or whatever nearby. Yeah, he says that guys he, they were talking shit, and then a the guy dropped his fucking scope, and it like rolled over to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What? 
Where well, are you no, going I'm saying, well, I'm saying if he was videotaping the test flights, you don't think he could have been like videotaping something else and figuring out like approximately where the base was located yeah I, that's what i'm i i guess but i'm just I mean, saying still, from him knowing like from yeah. him driving in the bus first day on the job he's not going to be like oh we're headed south i mean unless he was you know yeah really in tune with that now next up we got the hand scanner okay now this is so this it he says he used this mysterious hand bone scanner, you know, and this was later verified in Corbell's documentary. And this is essentially used as, as a point of vindication in the documentary. Corbell claims he spent hours searching high and low for evidence of this. And he shows Bob a picture and Bob positively identifies it as the machine that was used to enter the lab. Now I do some sleuthing on this. This was, this is known as the Identimat 2000. And this was also pictured in the popular UFO film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which came out in 1990 or 1977, almost 10 years before Bob's story. Now, there is a picture of it in the film and there is a picture from Corbell's documentary. It was also in a ton of newspaper and magazine articles going back to 1969, being used at all kinds of places, including universities. Now, I start thinking, if Corbell was a legitimate um, you know, journalist trying to get to the bottom, trying to suss Bob's claims out, why not give him multiple pictures of different funky machines and have him pick out the one that was used at S4? If he picked out this one, maybe that would lend a shred more credence to his claims. But he doesn't do that. He just gives him this picture and Bob is like, I never thought I'd see this again, even though it's in Steven Spielberg's fucking 1977 hit movie. I, I think that's just a little bit fucking sus, right? A little bit. Yeah, that that's definitely when I when I when I heard about that, I was like, oh, oh no. It's like, yeah. why wouldn't you do the extra homework to... That's what I'm saying. Even Corbell in the documentary acts like it's some insane machine that he had to track down through like secret files when it's like you just do a simple Google search or watch the fucking movie and see the thing in there. Um, yeah, and it's crazy to me that it's like, uh, you know, if they are lying about it, which, I mean, this one's kind of obvious. Although, if this is the only scene from the movie where you can see the machine, I don't know. I can't tell. I can't really see like the the finger marks. No, yeah, but you like see in the it. movie the guy literally puts his hand on the machine. The light lights up, oh, and he pulls his badge out. It's literally it's everything Bob says. Because um, oh, I re man. I yeah, rewatched I that movie that. to see, yeah. I mean, and that brings us to Bob Lazar, Area Fifty One, and Flying Saucers, which is the documentary. Because I want to get into this because, as we said, this is a project by Jamie Corbell, part of his series on extraordinary beliefs. Uh, he also did the Skinwalker Ranch one, um, and it's like we were saying, this fucking documentary barely even questions Bob. And also, they have Mickey Rourke narrate, like, random segments of it, which is insane. Like, why even include... Why do they even need to include this? And why the fuck did he get Mickey Rourke? That's, like, the worst person you could get to narrate a documentary. You can't even understand him half the time. In his papa's <laughs> He's like, do you even know 
what the truth is in your own mind sometimes. What the fuck is the truth? <laughs> it just fucking makes no sense. Like, he just starts spouting off this random philosophy shit, like, in the middle of segments of the documentary. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, we were Honestly, watch- though, that, that documentary it. is pretty fire. <laughs> okay, so you love the. Mickey I'm not gonna Rourke. lie to you. You like the. Mickey well, I Rourke mean, narration. like I, I like kind of the take that Corbell took with it. I mean, of it just fooled what? me. I'm not gonna lie. Being fully I mean, biased? it fooled me in certain ways. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, like his his artistic perspective and like how he put it together. Mickey Rourke, yeah, you know. Okay, now, and getting to but getting to the documentary. So basically, like. I don't know. This is my gripe with Corbell. Like, like we said, he presents the fucking uh, polygraph test as like, hey, Bob, pass with flying colors. He presents this hand scanner as like, Bob knew about this before anybody had any record. This has never been released before. Bob knew about it. And then essentially the crux of the whole documentary lies on this FBI raid on Bob's chemical business. And this is the way it's depicted in the documentary is that they are trying to recover materials he stole from his alien research, most notably Element 115. So let's get into this, as this could also be the crux of Bob's whole story as well. Now, Element 115, as Bob refers to it throughout his tales, it's basically what fueled the craft. It's the fucking it what made anti-gravity devices on the ship work. And it basically creates its own gravitational field. Now, Lazar told Larry King in an interview, quote, It's a uh, super heavy element. It's a unique element. And uh, when it's exposed to radiation, it produces its own gravitational field, its own anti-gravitational field. And it's what's used to lift up and propel the craft. Now, as, as we said... Uh, element 115 or Muscovium was synthesized in 2003 with a half-life of 0.65 seconds. So it decays very quickly. It's not stable or, you know, a stable form has not yet been synthesized. Now, Lazar has repeatedly hinted in interviews that he took a piece of element 115 from S4, which was in stable form. And that the element is of great interest to the federal government because obviously this would prove his whole story. Now, 30 years after coming out about Area 51, Bob and United Nuclear have become part of a new investigation that believers claim is tied to Element 115. So, as we know, in 2017, during the filming of this documentary, Bob's workplace was in fact raided by the fbi and local police now obviously this is very suspicious uh believers in bob's tale suggest that it was he was under government surveillance all this time and that this is the latest in a decades-long harassment campaign against lazar by the feds but records obtained years later through the freedom of information act request show the true reason for the raid which is also in itself pretty bizarre Now, these documents reveal that the raid on United Nuclear was part of an ongoing extensive murder investigation that includes state, local, and federal authorities. The document makes no mention of Element 115, and according to reports written by Michigan State Police, um, the events leading up to the search of United Nuclear began in late 2015 with the mysterious death of a 31-year-old Janel Struzel. 
now doctors concluded that she was poisoned and died of thallium toxicity. Now, thallium is most often used in the manufacture of electronics as well as glass manufacturing and the pharmaceutical industry. And thallium sulfate is colorless, odorless, tasteless, being described as the poisoner's poison um, due to the substance's high toxicity and difficulty to detect. Um, Now, coincidentally, Bob's company sells thallium. And the police search uh, was intended to learn more about whether Bob's company sold thallium to a murder suspect in the case. Now, Lazar is not listed as a suspect, uh, but in the report, Bob said sometime in March of 2017, a woman provided him with her deceased brother's element collection, which Lazar uh, agreed to sell through his website. Now, thallium being one of the elements in his collection, reports suggest that police Police believe that one of their suspects may have purchased materials used in this murder from Bob. Now, that seems pretty weird, right? And that's not even the first time Bob has been involved in the sale of deadly chemicals. As we said, in 2006, several news outlets accused Bob of peddling poison after he was found to be selling the exact same radioactive poison used to kill former KGB spy Alexander Litvinenko. Um, 2017 also wasn't even the first time Bob and United Nuclear had been raided by law enforcement. In 2003, after Bob unknowingly sold federal agents banned chemicals used in the manufacture of illegal fireworks, which we know Bob has an affinity for, Bob's home was raided by the Consumer Product and Safety Commission. Now, according to court records in 2006, Lazar pleaded guilty to violating the Federal Hazardous Substances Act and was sentenced to a $7,500 fine and three years federal probation. Always getting hit with the probation. But Lazar and Corbell maintain the fact that the search had nothing to do with thallium poisoning and insist that this is merely a cover story and the feds were interested in Element 115 all along. Now, what do we think about all this and the whole and we can get into the whole element 115 shit because this is another fucking huge gripe I have with Corbell. I'm thinking if it was in relation to the 115 that they're not waiting until this fucking documentary is being filmed to rate him that they're. Yeah, that is kind of weird, because if they were watching him all this time, why would they be like, oh, they're filming a documentary about Bob's claims? Perfect time to raid him. Let's go ahead and raid him. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? That would just prove his fucking point, right? Yeah. Okay. So I think this particular raid probably does have to do with the poisoning incident. It is just kind of weird to me. Like, I feel like you're your paper trail that you leave from buying those chemicals should provide them enough information. Like if you bought chemicals from some lady and then resold them, all you need is that documentation that you bought them from this lady, sold them to this lady. It's not, I don't think, I mean, I'm not a fucking federal agent, but (laughs) I feel like, I mean, I feel like that's a bit excessive, but also it's like, maybe they were looking for like a thallium fucking, Den, you know or like a fucking yeah if you, thallium lab or some shit you know 
if you know that this guy's already been like under the watchful eye of the law and <laughs> he like is keeps fucking up it's like all right let's just fucking hit him as hard as we can fuck it yeah probably going in there and trash his lap right. okay all right yeah i um yeah now i was just gonna say it it depends on how deep you want to go in the rabbit hole because i was thinking about it and it's like this guy came out saying you know obviously he's a law enforcement officer like talking about it so you would take that as face value but you know if we want to if we want to acknowledge like the rhetoric that we were talking about earlier you know to be devil's advocate about like the government just covering it all up like I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is making me doubt his credibility a lot. But at the same time, it's like, you know, the well, that, hole, though. But that's where I'm saying, like, the uh, Element 115, I think, also with the fucking hand scanner, is misunderstood by a lot of people. Because it's like you were saying at the top of the episode, oh, Bob said he worked with this and then... Years later, in 2003, they synthesize a small piece of it. But if you know about the periodic table and you're, I guess, a scientist in the capacity that Bob is, if he knows about chemicals and sells chemicals, obviously that's how it works. Like he said, we were on like 113, I think, in 96, and we're working to synthesize new fucking elements every day, find stable ones. Obviously, some years in the future, they're going to synthesize element 115. Probably 30, 20 years down the line, they'll have a stable version of element 115. Now, that'll be the real fucking crux of Bob's story. If it does produce fucking anti-gravity, then we'll know maybe he was telling the truth, right? For sure. But it's not like this is, it's not like this was just some unknown thing that nobody had any inkling or idea about and bob pulled it out of fucking thin air like you could just look at the periodic table say oh they're on they've synthesized up to 113 Mm, let me count three ahead and say yeah the alien craft was running off element 115 you know it's not that out of the realm of possibility no totally he could have easily just been like yeah and th- but that's how it's presented in the documentary, and that's how even watching the Rogan interview, that's how he understands it. And the same with the hand scanner. He's like, you proved that this hand scanner existed that nobody had any pictures of when there's fucking magazine ads with it in 1960-fucking-three. It's not like this was some crazy yeah, thing dude. that nobody had ever heard about. And most of the documentary, as we said, is Corbell on the phone with George Knapp saying... I tracked down. I was able to track down this guy. And and he told me he wouldn't go on camera, but he told me he does know Bob. That's the whole fucking thing. But it has you that know? like intense music. It's like <laughs> yeah. I gotta say that was that yeah. was my least favorite part of the fucking documentary is It's just him saying, take my word for this. No, anytime he's on the phone, I was like, yo, I'm just fast forwarding this shit. Because it was like boom. <laughs> We need to do a parody documentary where we're just, I'm on the phone with you going, so I was able to track down one of Bob's classmates 
And, and he, I'll, in fact, told me. He wouldn't go I'll on just, camera, but he yeah, told me. <laughs> texting on my phone in the bathroom, yeah. fucking pulling my hair out. And, like, a red light is on The you. feds are raiding him right now. What do then, I do? And he has him in his phone as, like, the informant or some shit. Yeah. Like, right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and then when he calls, it's, like, a fucking full body picture of him. Dude, we need to make oh my we, God. we need to make like a and he has like his style own, uh, documentary. He has like his own ringtone. And I was just like, dude, dude, that's insane. This is a new documentary. We need to make a fucking Corbell documentary. That's wild. Oh. But yeah, I mean that's my so that's kind of everything I have. Now, do we want to get into some theories? Um and we can possibly expand on each, uh, because I've really got three main ones. So number one. And let me know what you guys think here. Bob's story is authentic. The U.S. government is in possession of incredibly sophisticated technology that they've been hiding all this time. You know, how did he know about Area 51 before it was widely known? He also allegedly knew about these test flights near Papoose Lake every Wednesday uh, and the whole belly first craft. Again, seems to match up with these videos that have been declassified. Um, these craft flying belly first. I mean, what do we think? Is Bob, are his, could this be authentic? What do we think in here? I mean, I will say the the way that the crafts fly, that, you know, the Tic Tac UFO taken by, was it Commander David Fravor off an aircraft carrier? Was that was that, that? Yeah, he was the Tic Tac, but the, the famous video, I think, is the gimbal UFO. The gimbal, yeah, but you can, in one of them, you can see it, like, turn. Yeah, I'm pretty like, sure that's the gimbal. belly up, like, belly forward, and then, like, apparently the, I mean, that, that, that type of phenomenon is actually happening, you know, and it does line up kind of with how Bob was describing the way the craft flew and operated. Even though it and looked, the physics honestly. behind it. And it, maybe you know more about this, uh, Billy, because I thought, okay, in one of the interviews, and I think it was in Corbell's documentary, he describes the craft as flying around like a normal flying saucer, and it only flies belly first after leaving the atmosphere? Or is he saying it flies belly first all the time? From my understanding, I'm pretty sure that they described it as flying belly first all the time. Okay. Like that's the way, cause the gravity amplifier things would they essentially like, like up. yeah, they like in, in it had to be forward pointed towards the direction of the destination. Okay. Um, and that was the whole kind of like physics or the theoretical physics that Bob described. So it does kind of line up on surface value, right? Like we don't understand the physics behind it. We've never been Navy pilots, to understand right. like the physics behind that like i just don't know but there is that kind of weird similarity also the shape of the craft is very similar to, to the gimbal yeah to some of what bob was saying okay um so i don't know it may just be a, a coincidence but it's definitely something to to consider now would you put it out of the realm of possibility that hey bob worked with who Jeremy Corbell on this documentary, when he comes back into the public eye, Corbell was involved with Knapp and who was the gentleman that bought Skinwalker? 
Um, oh. Robert Bigelow. Bigelow. Robert he was Bigelow, involved yeah. with all these people declassifying these things with fucking Tom DeLonge. Could he have maybe slipped Bob this video and said, hey, start kind of saying this is how the craft flew? Because I don't think he says maybe. the belly first thing until Corbell's documentary. And that would just kind of help prop up Corbell's claims. No, no. He said it in the Rogan podcast i remember him talking about that was after the documentary came out okay all right yeah i mean who knows like that that's definitely a possibility i don't know you think he had to go on rogan as like his handler dude i think so because why the fuck (laughs) why is he always with like why why did corbell even need to be there so he could fucking debrief him on the way to it's the so fucking and be weird, like, yeah. hey, this is what we're going to say. And he this is what like, we're not going to say. And hey, if he says anything too crazy, your migraine's flaring up, Bob. And it's like, but also, all right, getting back to Bob, as if we're taking his story at face value, he claimed that 22 people in all were working at S4 researching all aspects of these nine flyers, and only two, him and this Barry guy, were assigned to reverse engineer the gravity drives. Um, it's like Bob says, if this was, if this is true, this would be, have been like one of the greatest discoveries of all time. Yet the government decides to put two guys, him and Barry and, and he's only part time on reverse engineering (laughs) this fucking saucer. Like they had 130,000 people developing just the atomic bomb. And that's just one bomb, not nine fucking craft. And that was even older (laughs) back in the forties. Well, that just. The only thing that I'm poking a hole in here is, okay, back in the 40s, they had that many people working on the atomic bomb, right? That's what we yep. said. And when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, their goal was to basically disable as many of our like aircraft and watercraft as possible and like basically just erase Pearl Harbor off the map. Right. But they knew that it was all there at the same time. So my thing is learning from your past mistakes. You're not going to put every scientist you have working on this fucking alien craft all in the same place at the same time. You're going to scatter it around. That's why, yes, Area 51 is like world renowned as the place that that kind of stuff goes on. But as we discussed, even in the Area 51 episode that's not the only place where they're keeping alien crafts but rob 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 this was not area 51 this was at s4 which is many miles south (laughs) okay so that even further credits my claim that yes there's obviously more than one or two fucking guys working on it but they had all nine craft in one place dude they probably have like a hundred fucking crafts i don't know man i don't know so i'm saying there's probably if s4 is real there there's so there's three other ones just there near area 51 then there's area 51 then there's like three or four maybe more other bases throughout the country where simultaneously guys are working around the clock to fucking back engineer this shit two guys hey dude i wasn't there all right i'm just saying what i think okay that's what you think now all right let's get into the next all right so are we buying how uh, like likely are we that this theory holds up that Bob is telling the truth? Yay or nay? You talking about in regards to the um, two people on the job? No, just just that his whole story is true. 
I say no, the whole story is not true. Okay. I say I say nay. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got I got to lean that this direction. Said yes at the beginning. All right, now how about I did. How about the theory that Bob is a disinfo agent? So Bob Lazar was an unwitting participant in a government orchestrated misinformation scheme, the intent likely being a leak of information designed to dismay and intimidate rivals of the U.S., giving an impression of far greater scientific or military capacity. So perhaps the government sees Bob as a mark. They say, look, here's a guy who's lying about his background. Uh, he's running an illegal brothel. Let's fucking hire this guy under the ruse of working on this top secret craft. We'll show him all these crazy briefing documents, see what comes out, and all these fucking Russian spies are none the wiser. What are we thinking here? I call bullshit on that, honestly. I, I don't. I, I think that that's now. You don't, don't think, think that he's that a disinfo agent in any capacity? No, I don't think the government would use him to, I mean, even like, okay, let's say like it's the, the tail end of the cold war around the time when this was happening. Well, actually, wouldn't like, it, well, yeah, I guess kind of the end, 89. It was, right? I mean, it, it, the cold war worked into like my, I mean, my, when my dad was commander of the USS Indianapolis, a fast tax submarine, he operated in like the, the latter end of the cold war, which was like mid to late nineties. So but still, I mean, what what would be the point? Like, why would the government like set this one dude up to talk about like reverse engineering a craft? Like, what to intimidate Russia? Like, that's not going to do shit. I I don't know. I I just I don't buy this necessarily. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think, but I just personally think it's hogwash. Yeah, I mean, I think if this also hogwash. <laughs> like if this what if yeah. he was a disinfo agent like. The Area 51 was one of the government's best kept secrets. Like we said, peak of the Cold War. They're doing all their secret shit here. They're keeping this from Russia. If this was the case, why would the government even want him to draw any shred of attention to Area 51? I mean, like we said, after Bob came out, everybody started fucking digging into this. So I personally don't Everyone think... started going there trying to check it out. Yeah, too. yeah. So I don't think he's a disinfo agent in that capacity. But I do think if he did work... Like if somebody like Bob did work there, definitely in the briefing documents, that sort of shit, they could have definitely passed him false information in the event that, hey, if this guy comes out and he said, these things came from Zeta Reticuli, that's who we, that's how we know this information's getting out. You know, that type of shit. That's true. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but all in all, no, I don't think that Bob was a disinfo agent. Well, also, yeah, I mean, especially well, used to like min, like intimidate our enemies. But Rob, uh, no, I was saying? I was just saying I think if that was the case that they wanted to use him as a disinfo agent, I don't think they would have gone to the trouble of scrubbing records because it's like if you want this disinfo getting out there, then you want it. I would think you would want it to be more of like a reliable source, not like, oh, this guy doesn't even have a degree. We never hired this guy. This guy doesn't even exist. 
like because because then on the other end of that you're like okay so this is just complete bullshit like i'm not buying it like you would want it to be like oh shit this is like coming from this like well-known physicist da, 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 mm-hmm. you know what i mean like they would have just given him fake yeah. information right yeah. all right now how about the possibility that bob is a grifter uh, he is a full-on liar. The story is made up in collaboration with John Lear and likely George Knapp as well. Now, I found this to be pretty credible because one of the most overlooked red flags is Bob's friendship with John Lear. The fact that they were, I mean, John Lear, major fucking UFO conspiracy guy, look into him. That's a whole nother episode for another day. But they were friends years before Bob came out with this story in 89. And much of Bob's story sounds kind of similar to things that Lear was already claiming two years earlier. Um, There's an interview in 87 where he says this. And I have found out that the government has retrieved between 10 and 15 actual flying saucers, three of which have been in perfect condition, one of which they tried to fly. They have between 30 and 50 alien bodies uh, in cryogenic storage. Uh, We even have the name of the uh, person whose job it is to show these bodies uh, to uh, the heads of state and the people who are authorized to see them. They represent at least five different civilizations. That's it. I mean, he's saying, hey, the government has extraterrestrial craft and they're doing experiments on them. Now, did he claim to work with them too? No, he did not. Um, Lear didn't claim to work with them, but whose program did Bob originally go on discussing this? George Knapp, correct? Yes. Um, so, you know, it could be possible that Bob, John, and others uh, sort of piece together a more interesting take. They bring in Bob as their inside man. Um, and, you know, as we said, John Lear bit of a maniac in his own right in 87 he released a press statement claiming that the u.s government had close contact with extraterrestrials and were secretly promoting films like et and close encounters of the third kind to influence the public to see extraterrestrials as space brothers and he was also big into the whole majestic 12 fiasco uh he also much later went on record claiming that 9-11 was a hologram Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, oh my God. Now, when Bob gave his first interview in the silhouette from under the alias Dennis, where do we think that was filmed? KLAS, right? He went on down to the news station. George Knapp got him in the van. Um, you know, he went to George to break this story, right? Wrong. That news van was parked in none other than John Lear's driveway. John Lear is on video describing that day. Jesus. Um, So, you know, (laughs) government having crafts, studying them. um, This was on record. John Lear was saying this to George Knapp two years before Bob came out. I mean, that's one hell of a coincidence, right? But okay. Or did we have any thoughts on that? Or do we want to press on? I did not know that, though. And it's pretty... uh pretty bizarre <laughs> that's pretty crazy it's, right it's a little yeah i mean the fact that they're in the dude's driveway like i can just see them conspiring before like that's what like, i thought what john's like look look bob look i okay. never even really knew that i was always kind of like oh maybe he's just at the news station george brought him in but the fact that george was interviewing john lear two years before they're all kind of hanging out 
And then Bob's all of a sudden this fucking inside scientist. It's kind of fucking. It's definitely a little suspect. But yeah, let, let's move on and keep exploring the story. Even the whole origin of the craft being from Zeta Reticuli isn't even original. Um, we first saw this come up in the famous abduction case of Betty and Barney Hill, which took place back in 1961. We discussed this briefly on our Grays episode, but this will definitely get an entire episode in 2023. Um, I've already started researching that. Now, what's weird about this, I mean, in this case, the Betty and Barney Hill abduction is like, essentially the cliff notes is like, they're abducted, weird shit starts happening to them. They go through the uh, post-hypnotic regression, like Whitney Whitley Strieber, like we talked about. And in that is where they kind of say, hey, we were abducted. Like they kind of piece together what happened. Now, Betty sketches a copy of this star map that she said she remembers from the spaceship. Um, And, you know, that was studied by astronomers uh, for years and years. And essentially this amateur astronomer studying um, a bunch of different vantage points for several years, found one that seemed to match the hill map. And this was from the viewpoint of the double star system, Zeta Reticuli. Now that's presented as like the smoking gun in the Betty and Barney Hill case. But that's, like I said, another episode for another day. And then Bob's bringing that into his case. I don't know. This is just, again, it's like the Majestic 12 thing. You see him bringing in little pieces from like the conspiracy landscape into his story to kind of give him more credibility. You know, I, I just don't think that like nothing Bob says is really original, you know, it's all just like pieced information right. from different yeah. stories, which is crazy to me. Cause if you're going to make up such an elaborate lie, you'd think you'd like put effort into like just creating a whole new world of something where it's like, oh, you know, I don't want people to know that this was already done or talked about, or this was in this movie. And yeah. And a lot of would, like be better about that. <laughs> yeah. Cause a lot of people say like, if Bob is lying, he's a hell of an imagination. Not fucking really. If he's just pulling pieces <laughs> from all these different stories. No, for real though. Oh, uh, now yeah. another thing. Now Knapp claims he saw a video of an experiment where some light was shown over element One Fifteen, and the light bent. This is also in the documentary. Now, unfortunately, Corbell says when he looked for the complete tape, Bob had taped over it with an episode of Golden Girls. Now, he also managed to find a short clip that showed nothing happening at all. Um, Knapp also said he had a copy of the tape, but seemed to have lost it. So... It's a little negligent on all their parts. They just have this insane smoking gun tape that Bob taped over and George just fucking lost. Now, it's hinted all the time that Bob has some element 115 that he's like stashed somewhere for nearly 30 years. Why not just fucking repeat the experiment on film? Prove your whole story. Why not just bring the element out in the open? Prove your story. Well, if he is being tracked by the government... They might kill him. <laughs> Again, no. <laughs> okay. I think they would have killed him by now. Now, there's also the prostitution ring aspect. This is where the alien pimp comes into play. Now, Bob got caught and arrested for pandering in June of 1990, months after claiming to be at S4. So you're telling me 
a guy who was a high up physicist at Lanel, then recruited to a top secret government base, was simultaneously running a fucking rinky dink brothel out of two apartments and interviewing hookers to work for him in his spare time. <laughs> hey, dude, he was only on call at us for. What do you think he was doing in the other times? I would assume doing fucking science shit, you know, working was, on um, working on his files, working on his chalkboard, not fucking interviewing hookers he was to out, run a brothel. He was out in the Las Vegas desert, dude, horny. Well, if he was horny, he would just be banging hookers like Einstein, not running a brothel. Well, he was thinking one deeper. How do I make money off this? All right. Now, there's also this interesting bit I found, which is Desert Blast. Now, this was from a Wire, Wired.com article in 1994. So again, this article came out in 94, about five years after he comes out about S4. Um, now, in this article, it's apparently about this thing called Desert Blast, which is just this fucking secret location in the desert where all these dudes get together and just fucking light off fireworks and shoot guns. Now, in the article, and there's even a video, they're interviewing Bob Lazar and they credit him as the fucking festival creator since 1987. So every year since 87 on a secret date at a secret location, all these fucking dudes and all their homies just fucking go out to this like outlaw gathering back in the desert and just fucking light off fireworks. So again, while working for a top secret government facility to reverse engineer craft, he's also throwing some Burning Man type firework festival in the desert and he continues to do it even after coming out. Does that seem like somebody who is paranoid of like, hey, the government might kill me? Does that, does that really seem like the behavior that you would have? If you're fearing for your safety, that'd be one of the fucking easiest ways for the government to kill him. Oh, firework accident. Dude died in the desert. He fucking blew up. Bob's running this festival every year. I just thought that was fucking kind of odd, right? A little bit. What are you guys thinking now? Are we thinking again, just like him being horny? Hey, guy likes fireworks. He can run a festival in his spare time. Well, he does like fireworks. We know that. All right. Now, he also ran a photo development business out of his house in the early to mid 80s. This was with his first wife. So again, why is a high up physicist running a photo business, then a prostitution ring and an annual fireworks festival, all while being interviewed and getting a job at Area 51? <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Has anybody put these pieces of the puzzle together? I should ask Jeremy, dude. Okay. That's... Uh, again, why doesn't Jeremy bring up any of this in his documentary? I think this is kind of fucking strange. But, hey, can we shoot him some bail on this? The guy likes to have fun, maybe, right? They can't find any holes in his story whatsoever. <laughs> now, his biggest lie of all, and this was one that I caught on his fucking Rogan interview, and I thought this fucking clicked in my head as, as possibly Bob's biggest lie of all is the fact that Russian scientists were at Area 51 when he was there. Now, as we saw on our Area 51 episode, this was one of America's most highly secret facilities for years, especially during the Cold War. Late 80s, you're talking peak Cold War. I mean, look at, look at Reagan's meetings with Gorbachev during that time. And you're going to say that, oh, yeah, 
we brought over some Russians to to bring them out to our most top secret facility. All good here, nothing to see. Just working hand in hand with the Russians. I don't think so. Yeah. But then again, would you really put it past our government? They've only proved that they've, you know, they have been corrupt and done many immoral things in the past. Maybe they collaborated, but I don't know. I mean, it's still ridiculous to even consider. Yeah, I mean, that would basically mean that the entire Cold War was a fucking charade. Which wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would. Facts. (laughs) Who did we bring over as scientists right after World War II ended? That was the Nazis. And we were competing with who to get them? Russia. So we hired Nazis because we didn't want who to get them? Russia. Yet we're just working along with them at the same time. Well, we it doesn't already got the up. Nazis, so well, we also we wanted the them now. because of their expertise, because they were they were the best engineers, well, and, like rocket designers. If we got and, guys cutting into alien spacecraft with a plasma cutter, that's what we got. Maybe we're like, hey. Russia, you guys want to come take a look at this shit? Like, we can't figure this out. I just don't know. I think that for us to keep something like Area 51 secret all those years because of we didn't want Russia to get the upper hand, why would we just bring them on in? But I'm saying they're keeping that a secret from the American people. I mean, I'm sure at some level of security, there's... Security. Where they're talking to other world leaders. They're not like, I'm sure they're like, hey, look, you guys got some alien shit going on over there? Because we can't figure this out, dude. Okay. I'm still not you buying. You don't think so? I'm not buying that we were ever working with Russian scientists in the 80s, but. I mean, it's very, it's-, it's highly unlikely. Yes, I agree with you. But there's also a part of me that's like, if you want to say that part of his story is true and it does it wouldn't surprise me is all i'm saying all right now let's get on to the last claim now this is another another one we always hear guy doesn't want to make money there's another claim about the legitimacy of bob hey this is a guy who's never made money from his story he doesn't care about money he doesn't want to make money well bob is a guy who has in fact made money from his story one Selling the movie rights to his story to Goober Peters, who then sold it to New Line Cinema, who then sold it to Curmudgeon. Um, now, the movie still hasn't been made, been shelved. Uh, now, he also <laughs> made money making the Lazar tapes, excerpts from the government Bible. This was a VHS tape with his friend Gene Huff, which they advertised in newspapers and magazines and sold for 30 bucks a pop. Nice. Now he also allegedly That's got not that a, much money. He also allegedly got a royalty deal from testers who made a model of his saucer, which sold for twenty four ninety nine. Uh, Hal also has this very same model. You guys familiar? Uh, he Wait, also, Hal has that? That's yeah, he tight. has a box of this model. He said he got it at like a hobby shop or some shit back in the That's 90s. great. <laughs> Ryan's got a signed picture of that right here in yes. the studio. Uh, he also made money from countless TV appearances and talks back in the 90s and 2000s. He currently probably makes money from his autobiography, Dreamland. 
um, which as we said, list price of $23.99. And he currently sells merch on his company, United Nuclear Scientific's website, along with chemicals. Customers can also buy prints of Lazar's sketches of flying saucers, Element 115 coffee mugs, Area 51 t-shirts, signs, even UFO posters with a signed option, which I did in fact buy. Not the yes. not the Element <laughs> 115 coffee mug though. No, so there you go. There's a guy who claims, "Hey, I don't want to make any money," and he's doing all that. Now let's 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 round this one out. You know, let's get to some conclusions uh, because honestly, guys, to date there has never been any tangible evidence proving Lazar ever set foot inside Area 51 much less worked on alien spaceships or was able to smuggle out any mysterious elements. Yet these are all claims that he stands behind. Now, my bet personally is that, hey, maybe he did do some type of electronics work at a restricted site or at the very least he applied for it. He got swept up in the UFO craze at the time and through his friendships with George Knapp and John Lear, Um, his story sort of snowballed into something that he's had to maintain because it obviously allows him to earn a modest living selling books and merch and other stuff. Now, you know, it's like we said, basically Bob takes shreds of truth from events that did happen and he kind of bends them to fit his story, weaves them into his story with events that did happen. So it's like, you know, Oh, I was a contractor at Lanol. They scrubbed my records. He's he's taking shreds of the truth and weaving them into this story. Presenting them as events that did in fact happen. This is why nobody, you know, people that kind of look at this at a at face value say, "Hey, you know, maybe this guy could be telling the truth. I don't really know." Um, now I would say it's mostly Corbell to credit for bringing bringing Bob back into the public eye. Uh, Corbell also works closely with George Knapp, who's involved with all the Bigelow UAP disclosure stuff that's going on in the recent leaks and revelations about modern UFO discourse. Um, I mean, even after all of this, George Knapp still believes um, still believes in Bob's story. You know, he thinks that he scammed his way into working at S4, uh, which explains the lack of records. And of course, George Knapp believes him because he essentially staked his career on it. This was like George's George's first big break. If he came out and said, no, I don't fucking believe this guy. Boom. There goes your fucking credibility as an investigative journalist. I mean, George is also, he was a producer on this documentary with Corbell. Of course he wants Bob's story to be real. Right. Now, if Bob was in fact the whistleblower that he claims to be, he seems to have gotten off with virtually no repercussions. This is a guy who lives freely in Oregon, runs his own business, continues to peddle his tail. He appears on radio, television, wrote his own book. I mean, that's a lot for somebody who hates interviews and publicity. I thought he lived in Michigan. No, he lives in Oregon. Mm. Um, now, I thought it was Michigan, too, actually. Because, no. like, in, in uh, Corbell's documentary, it was, like, Michigan. Yeah. Oregon. When, whenever it, like, went to he, he moves around a lot. You know? Maybe they were uh, throwing, him off, throwing you off his trail there. They now, mo- he moves around. Now, speaking of that, you know, 
Bob getting off with no repercussions. So look at now again, Phil Schneider. He comes. He's a whistleblower who came out about deep underground military bases Dumbs. and and a, yep, dumbs and a lot of of wider claims than Bob. Um, and and this guy is fucking crazy. We got to do a future episode on him. Um, now he was found dead with surgical tubing tied tightly around his neck and evidence that he had been brutally tortured prior to his death. However, this was ruled a suicide. Look at Edward Snowden, a guy who may even be a government plant himself, but he told some truths, exposed what the NSA was doing, and he had to retreat to Russia. Look at Julian Assange, Australian founder of WikiLeaks, who had a criminal investigation launched against him by the U.S. government. They attempted to extradite him to the U.S. He was granted asylum in Ecuador, and I believe he is currently in a London prison. A London dungeon. Look at Michael Hastings, journalist and reporter for Rolling Stone, vocal critic of the Obama administration and the war in the Middle East, the surveillance state. His last story was why Democrats love to spy on Americans. Published June 7th, 2013. On June 18th, 2013, he died in a fiery car crash in L.A. and many suspect foul play. Point being, there's a reason that nothing at all has happened to Bob for coming forward. I don't think he's telling the truth. I also do, though, really like Rob's theory that we came up with in our Area 51 episode, which is kind of along the lines of the disinfo theory, but it's more so all on Bob. Do you remember that theory where you said maybe Bob scammed his way in to working at S4 and they showed him some crazy advanced technology and Bob was just like, my God, they have alien craft and just thought it was fully alien just because he's an idiot and just had no idea what he was looking at. And he comes out. It's like, hey, they got alien craft. But since he scammed his way in, they never had his records in the first place. I mean, that checks all the boxes, right? It does. Absolutely. And honestly, you know, I, th- that is a good theory. But the more I go down the the rabbit hole on the current UAP stuff and and how Bob ties in, the more I lean to the conclusion that it honestly probably is just some type of human technology. Like those videos we can't explain, the UAP shit, like why we say we we have no idea and the government is still withholding documents. I mean, it's like we talked about in our AI episode, law of accelerating returns, man. You reach a point where technology is just going to advance at an alarming rate. I, I mean, it already is. That's what I'm saying. So I really wouldn't put like the gimbal, the Tic Tac out of the realm of just being some type of black, black ops human tech. Um, but then again, who the fuck knows? You know, we'll probably never know unless unless Bob gives us a uh, deathbed confession. The world may never know. The world may never know. <laughs> now. All right, what do you guys think? Let's get it. This is another one of these case episodes. Let's get to our classic rating system. So again, flat earth being, you know, least likely. We got number two, moon, three, nine, eleven, jury still out, four, JFK, more likely, and MK Ultra, most likely that Bob's telling the truth. What do you guys give this a rating out of flat earth to MK Ultra? Man, I would say I would say flat earth. 
Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. Damn, bro. You went from fully backing this guy to completely doubting Yeah, I, him. I did a complete 180. Well, it's because, right? I mean, if what was presented is like true, there's just so many inconsistencies with the story where, like, I feel like you really got to dig into that, you know, which I really haven't done. But it was kind of eye opening for me where it's like, okay, like, there are so many inconsistencies and just like, you know, on the surface and in like really like high detailed production documentaries and like Joe Rogan episodes where, you know what I mean? Where they just don't understand or they're not getting into the, they're not like diving fully into that stuff. They're not diving into these things. And I think these things matter, but it really just depends on how down, how deep in the rabbit hole you want to go. If you want to believe that the government is, you know, covering all this up, and erasing his identity partially um but i don't know like the the whole like hand scanner thing and there's there's a lot of yeah john lear and like there are some weird things like element 115 for example but then you know if you're if you know chemistry whatsoever it's like you it's like it goes up 112, 113, 114, 115. So it could have been like an easy projection. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fully you know. with Billy. I'm saying one. This is a flat earth. I think after doing all this research, I don't know. I want to believe Bob's story, but this, I think he is just a fucking bullshit grifter. I think it's like we said, look at all the shit he sells and he, he keeps saying, I don't want to make any money yet. He's selling all this shit. He's making a living doing this. He continues to go on on these talk shows, be the guest of honor at these UFO conferences and shit, even though he says, I hate doing that. And he hey, still you contributed does it. to it. Hey, yeah, I did. I did support <laughs> Bob. So, uh, I, I support the grift, Bob. I like what you're doing out there. Um, and, there, but hustling, there you have it. I mean, he's yeah, a hustler. I'm, I'm still in the camp of one. I'm thinking flat earth for Bob. Uh, what, what do you got, Rob? And, and then let's get out All of right. here. I got an updated theory. And to start it off, I'm giving him a moon landing rating of two. Okay. Because I wanted to believe the story, but the more that I was doing research, I think that I could believe that he had his record scrubbed for coming out for information, but also it's like he didn't really give up that much valuable information. You know what I mean? It's like, Anyone that is in that area that has seen Area 51 or knows of it at that time period could have, like, easily corroborated a similar story. Okay, okay. So you're saying in terms of, like, believability? So I'm thinking that he's friends with John Lear, who's friends with George Knapp. He's already living in Las Vegas at the time as an electrical technician, we'll say, because that's what he's on record of being when he worked at Los Alamos. So I'm thinking John Lear is like this crazy fucking UFO conspiracy guy. And he's like, dude, we got to go out here. So that's where he gets the, that's where he figures out that they're doing these test flights on the Wednesday. And then maybe he does apply to work and gets like some technician job, like you said, and then he picks up a little bit more information. And then I feel like, maybe just came up with this whole story but then he's had to repeat it so many times 
that's why there's like these little tweaks to it as time goes on. But I think that I'm thinking like definitely horseshit. I think that <laughs> I think that he's definitely maybe like seen some shit, but that overall the theory that he got hired as a physicist, it was only him and one other guy. That shit is just a little too hard to believe for me. So I think so that there's like, I think that there's elements to the story that he maybe did experience, but the overall story is bullshit. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. He's, yeah, uh, no, that it's makes like we said, sense. he's pulling little pieces of truth and weaving them into this well, fanciful story. Well, what's, what's interesting to me though, what, which I literally just rewatched the documentary last night. And it's like, anytime his credibility is attacked, he is like, well, if you don't believe me, then show me like how you can disprove it. And it's like, dude, if you're like so worried about your integrity and your character being attacked, then just fucking prove that it's real. That's all you have yeah. to do. And that's not. And so many people would believe you he, and be on your side, but you can't even fucking. That's either. that's my issue with Corbell. It's like he's putting it's Corbell and Bob are putting the burden of proof on the observer. They're saying, "Hey, you guys disprove him. It's your job. No, it's your job to prove that you worked there, and he can't do it. Guilty hey. until proven innocent. Oh my god, <laughs> that's but, what he's doing. But what I'm saying is. If his records were in fact scrubbed, there should still be like some credibility at he should some still level. Know the you physics. know what I mean? I want to see him interview interviewed by a physicist and him kind of you know shit his pants. <laughs> yeah, just ask him questions about physics. He should still know that. He might have a migraine that day, dude. Um. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, I guess I just want to say that I try to stay as open-minded as I possibly can. Like I like kind of you know gathering information, coming to a conclusion from that information that I've obtained. But I think it's really important for everyone to like keep an open mind that their initial interpretation of something may not be the truth. But if you want to stick by a camp or a narrative, that's one thing. But you know, I think that this episode was really fun for me because I went into it like totally believing it and came out of it like, uh, no. Well, <laughs> so. see, that's that's like the thing with these stories, though. It's like all of us are clearly interested in the topics of aliens and UFOs or we wouldn't even be doing this fucking podcast. But it's interesting when like new information comes out. Cause you're like, Oh shit. Like I want to believe this, but it just sucks when it's like situations like this, because like the more you dissect it, it's clear to see like the bullshit behind it. And it's like, dude, you're just trying to trick people into believing your story and getting your fucking autograph posters. That's why he adds those little pieces to keep, the gears moving, you know, he's got to keep giving you something. He's got to keep uh, dangling that carrot, you know? Yeah. Right. So, right. I mean, maybe one day uh, a fully credible source will come out, but I think that, you know, with all the power the government holds, it, it definitely won't be like some inside informant type situation. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Bob Lazar, uh, bullshit grifter, government whistleblower. You be the judge. Let us know what you guys think. Do you believe in his tale? Do you think he's full of shit? Uh, do you have any 
information. Did you go to college with Bob Lazar and possibly know him? Come forward. Let me know. I'll, I'll blast you out on the podcast. I'll put you on the podcast and we can talk about it. Um, but there you have it on this one. I want to cite vice.com. Bob Lazar says the FBI raided him to seize area 51's alien fuel. The truth is weirder by Tim McMillan, uh, medium.com for the articles by signals intelligence, uh, which I'll link in the description. Uh, the wired.com article on desert blast, uh, Bob Lazar area 51 and flying saucers coast to coast. AM the Bob Lazar episodes, Joe Rogan Experience, episode 1315, Dreamland by Bob Lazar, and all of the original KLAS reports by George Knapp. And on that... Hey guys, thanks for tuning in, Loyal Legion. As always, feel free to uh, hit us up with any ideas. If you like the podcast, if you want to hear, you know, maybe some news story or maybe you... uh, personally know bob lazar and you want to reach out to us you can dm us on instagram podcast from outer space or you can check out our website podcast from outer space.com we're slinging our own merch over there we don't want to make money off this but it would be cool if you bought a t-shirt no we absolutely do want to make money off of our own merchandise we're not like lying lying. (laughs) um yeah no thanks so much for listening at in everyone and um you know if you have if you have an opinion post it post it in like the insta comments you know dm us let us know y'all's thoughts because bob lazar specifically is you know just an intriguing concept uh, and story and we'd love to hear your feedback on it and we will see you in a future episode y'all and happy holidays Thank you.